Hey, what's up, guys? It's Chris. Listen, I want to talk to you about some of our sponsors. First and foremost, we talk, one, first one I want to talk to you about is JC Innovations. JC Innovations is an engineering service business that provides engineering support for orthopedics and medical device businesses, including medical technology. But this is the thing. This is the thing. That's like saying that Kobe Bryant was a basketball player. I mean, this is, I mean, I appreciate this thing that they wrote up for me, but really, let's really talk about what they're doing. It's complete, total innovation happening in the orthopedic business, right? Where some of these guys are happy with hips, knees, right? JC Innovations is pushing the envelope of technology and innovation in the orthopedic industry. With, with over 15 years experience making medical products, they are prof not just proficient, they excel at navigating regulatory requirements for the, the government, the FDA. Think about all the nonsense it takes to get your product on the market with the FDA. JC Innovations, they've done it for 15 years. They can get your product to market, both and as well as regulatory bodies outside the US. Blessed to be a part of this community, they do their part and contribute to it. JC Innovations supports helping hands, right? Helping hands. If you don't know about helping hands, helping hands, J Jody put together like an Iron Man hand for my buddy's little girl, Zoe. That's the kind of thing we're talking about. It's not just about pushing innovation, but it's about helping community. If, you're, if you want to learn more, reach out to Jody. You want to, maybe you want to be partner with them, you, Jody, how they can help your business. Contact Jody at JC Innovations through the contact page on their website, jcinnovations.com. That's jc-innovations.com. They're excited to hear from you. Give them a call. Tell them I sent you. They might take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. This is the Freedom Cats with your hosts, Chris Flack, Seven King, and Jody Claypool. Produced by Jack Claypool Audio. Freedom Cats reviews movies, politics, and entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the Freedom Cats. Twenty twenty four propaganda machine is in full swing. We got a lot to talk about today, folks. Mainstream media and the propaganda arm of the government are already saying Russia is going to use disinformation to meddle in our elections. Trump indictments. Matt Gates kicked out Kevin McCarthy. The FBI is targeting MAGA and Trump voters. Joe Biden speaks at the C-20 and mumbles. Immigrants are streaming into our southern border. COVID's back again. And Canada is forcing podcasters to register with the Canadian Broadcasting Regulatory Bodies. Oh, and by the way, there's war in Israel. Lots and lots to talk about. We've got Josh Vergeels, Jason Brown, I'm Jody Claypool, and we are the Freedom Cats. Meow. All right, guys, before we get into the thick of this, I want you guys to go through, for those listeners that aren't aware of who you are, give us a little brief introduction. Uh, Jason Brown. Uh, restaurant tour. Uh, I own a restaurant called 110 Craft Meadery and a few projects that are on the way. Um, I like long walks on the beach. Um, you know, uh, I like a good dinner, a nice bottle of wine. I think dogs are pretty neat. That's about it. All good things. 
Josh? Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm sold on Jason. Just <laughs> uh, I'm Josh Vergeels. I am, uh, I guess, here in the context of being the vice chair of the Libertarian Party of Kosciuszko County uh, and an avid uh, talker of politics and engager of First Friday attendees. So hopefully we can chat some politics and have some good discussions. Fantastic. I'm swiping right on both of you guys. Let's go, baby. <laughs> right on. Okay, just so you know. Uh, we've instituted a standing policy, so I am wearing a shock collar. We know what the rules are for that, so play to those rules as you may. Uh, the <laughs> Folks, bit- this is real. I'm watching this happen live. <laughs> he wears it well. He's rocking it. Yeah. The bid winner today is Becca, so shout out to Becca. Thank you for uh, supporting the Freedom Cats, regardless of what your motivations might be. <laughs> okay, top of the list. 2024 propaganda machine is in full swing. Fellas, I don't know about you, but I've seen this before. I saw this four years ago. Uh, and it seems like it's coming back. And the thing, the, the fantastic, um, the fantastic thing that kind of made me laugh out loud is when they started saying, hey, Russia's going to use disinformation to meddle in our elections. I'm like, oh, Oh really? Well, it, it's it's yeah. nice. It's nice this time. They they at least like brought it up front. That's right. You, you know, instead of like being like reactionary, like this time we're just like, okay, well, like we're just aware of it. So, you know, so this not is a surprise. A, this is a maneuver called preparation of the battle space, except applied to psychological warfare. But yes, they they preempt any news you might see with just so you know, don't believe your lying eyes. Wait right. for us to confirm reality, and we'll keep you straight. And how are they going to do that? I'm guessing CNN. <laughs> I, 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 I get almost almost exclusively most of my news either from Facebook or Reddit. So so it's 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 way easier that way, because <laughs> if you just go into it with the idea that it that it's all crap already, it's way easier to process. I just heard Jordan Peterson on a Pierce Morgan episode, and he was talking about how Joe Rogan is the most profound journalist oh, oh my in history <laughs> and they've By been the way, tr- that, that was just a joke that's not really where i get my news but uh i think there's some truth there i think i, I would give it a lot of credit because he actually just interviews his guests like he you know so much of the media the the corporate media let's say clearly seems agenda driven and i'll give joe rogan credit for he'll have pretty much whoever on there and he'll just stare at them, you know stare at them and ask them questions without necessarily inserting his opinion which is closer i guess to the ideals of journalism than a lot of what we see out of our quote professional journalist class sure i don't don't you think though in like some capacity if if you because i i know there's always like the discussion about like the agenda right and 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 naturally we we should have a concern about the agenda but don't you think in some environment the agenda has to exist like what 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 world could you have systems that don't operate on an agenda that do, that don't that don't operate with with backdoor discussions? And, I think that's fair. I think and, and goals and I, I mean, like I, I know I know we all get so upset about the idea that there's an agenda, but how do you how do you operate without one? I don't necessarily I take issue question. with uh, with agendas. I take concern with the fact that we have seemingly an agenda. It it seems as though there's sort of a a bilateral alignment where you have a aristocrat or ruling or insider class that all seem to be reading from more or less the same sheet of music 
and it seems very different from the interest of the rank and file populace outside of it. So now, if we had a, a, a diverse media landscape where you had a variety of agendas and they sort of air that out in the public and it's sort of up to the public debate to shake out what what makes sense and what doesn't, I'd. I would be much more open to that, but that doesn't feel like what we have currently. It feels more like there's there's a script, and if you're not following it, it'll be made clear that you're not welcome in the play anymore. So, so let me let me get some clarity on terms here. Agenda, you mean a framework from which to tell a story or a perspective, versus some sort of propaganda arm for a larger larger puppeteering organization. That's what I'm hearing is the difference in the terms here. Some people say agenda and they think I'm being manipulated. Other people say agenda. It's like, no, I'm just trying to organize my thoughts. Yeah. Right. But, but I guess my question would be is I don't know if it's really possible to have one without the other. Because then you start to get into like financing and, and, and how does the actual like operation function? There's always going to be somebody that's influencing it from behind a closed door. There's always going to be a system that we're not aware of, right? I mean, like Absolutely. even even think about just like running a business. Um, every business that I know, your your upper management is is going to be willing and able to have backdoor discussions. Do you ever see that series with Tim Roth where he's the guy who can like spot liars? No. So oh the, yes, yes I have. It's yes, it's impressive. It is right. There's something liberating about watching that show because he never lies, and he's always calling out the liars in every yeah. instance where it's like, well, this seems like it's a white liar. It's like a reasonable place mm -hmm. to lie. He doesn't l allow the lie. And I watch that show, and I'm like, I wonder if that could be applied across the board. I wonder mm. if there's just some fantastic benefit in 100% transparency and honesty. And if we just got away from trying to in any way manipulate people and let the cards fall where they would, things would work out better. So I'm going to I'm going to pose a thought here. Sure. In, in, in a utopian environment. Sure. It'd be really cool if everybody was truthful all the time and there was no BS. And yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that would be incredible. But but how do you how do you account for perspective? Be, because well, that's the tricky bit, right? Because it's not always a lie. Like right. it's, it's and, not a lie if you believe it, right? Right. So and 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 that's so this harkens back to the Ricky Gervais movie Invention so that, of Lying. That was my thought. Yeah. If if you have your perfected movie, society, it, that's an awesome movie. So it's 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 the it's the liberal conundrum, right? Of you try to be open and tolerating, but the the built-in flaw to that is if someone is willing to borderline psychopathically exploit that, you really don't have a good safeguard against it, right? So you, you sort of need the blended approach of as much openness and tolerance as you can sustain but also enough i don't know cunning or intelligence to be able to identify people who would be too significant a threat to that and engage them differently right and that's the 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 balance between a more libertarian oriented and a more authoritarian oriented society and you kind of need a bit of a blend. I skew very much more towards libertarian, but I also know if you just let anyone do anything forever, you're going to have a lot of bad stuff happen. So you got to find a balance. I actually can. Can we dive into this a little bit? I'd like to sure. educate myself a little bit from from having a a, a person in front of me. Uh, can you can you draw some some hard lines between the left, right, and 
wherever we would classify the libertarian either <coughs> i assume somewhere it's it's on that spectrum maybe it's in the middle maybe it's not maybe parts are in the middle parts are on the left yeah i mean that's a that's a potentially infinite discussion but sure. but broadly speaking are you familiar with the like the political compass chart that has the two axes where you have left right on the horizontal and authoritarian and libertarian on the vertical. Of course. So kind of the same idea, right? Most of what we discuss as the Republicans and Democrats, they, there's a clear left-right distinction between them, but in my opinion, they both skew more more authoritarian, broadly speaking. They, they both have, to a degree, a prescription for how you ought live your life, right? The left has a clear idea for how you should live your life, and they're willing to pass laws to either protect or enforce that. And the right has... In some ways they agree, and in some ways they're sort of diametrically opposed, but the same idea, right? And liberty is more so of we need to curtail how much we prescribe life to a very minimum sort of, not quite, I mean, you'll have to get universally, but a near universal agreement core subset, and then accept both sides that are going to deviate from that within an acceptable margin. So the example I've given before, right? We, we all pretty much universally agree murder, rape, theft, things like that, probably bad, right? I, I, would, I would personally, as a libertarian, I would love it if every single person who murdered and raped and, and stole and whatever else could be apprehended by the police and brought to some form of justice, right? Either restore, to the, you know, restore damages to the victim or some kind of incarceration or, or punitive measures, right? I, I would love it if those things would happen. If you have a... If like, you don't do, have your do, seatbelt do you on while do, you're do you driving, go back as far as like, like historically, where we just like off them like immediately, so we don't have to store them and feed them. No, actually, we we were talking about that uh, prior to the show. I'm not a huge fan of capital punishment because if there's one thing the government does, it's make mistakes. And uh, <laughs> I, you yeah. heard it here, folks. We'll yeah. see you next week. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a tricky blend. And so I would I would counter, right? So those things I would like aggressively pursued. If you're driving without your seatbelt, I'm willing to let that one slide, right? If if you want to be in the comfort of your own home and enjoy alcohol or, you know, some type of a drug as long as you're not putting people in jeopardy and you're not hopping in your car and playing bumper cars down the road, I'm willing to let that slide. Can we, are you're using the liberal or the traditional term of liberal when you say liberal, right? Liberal, mm -hmm. liberal policy. Liberal as in classical liberalism. So enlightenment values. When when we're talking about liberals now, we're talking about people that literally sign up to support a war that's not even in this country that just is killing people, right? Yeah. So, so, so the, the and, left anti-free speech. So it's a different yeah. definition. Now, the, right? the left did an excellent job of co-opting liberal, right? In, in in when we were a more let's say conservative country, and they said, no, we're just very liberal. Well. A lot of that was really just the the precursor to a more leftist authoritarian agenda. But they, they hid behind the guise of, we just want things to be more open for people. We want to be more accepting. We want to be more tolerant. And now that the pendulum has swung more in their favor, we're seeing the lack of acceptance and the lack of tolerance and all the stuff that goes along with that. Well, of course, because liberal, the intent of liberalism is individual freedom. Right. And individual freedom can be very offensive. I mean, yeah. personally speaking, I'm very offensive. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going there. <laughs> okay. Trump got indicted. Did you guys hear about this? I did. Which one? Yeah, right. It was like 91 of them. He's got 91 of them. I don't know. I saw I, recently 700 and some odd years he's he's staring down the barrel of across these various, uh, you know, petty and frivolous attempts. If he survives all so this he, and he, then he, runs for president at like 800 years old, that's, yeah. that's <laughs> biblical. I, I was going to say, I mean, he deserves so like, it. He, he'd be out like, what, in three years with good with good performance and good attitude? 
They have guaranteed he will get Epstein. Like within the first 15 minutes in the prison, all the cameras will shut down, all the guards will fall asleep, and he will magically be no longer with us. I'm not a, an apologist for Trump, but this poor guy. I mean, they, they uh, talk about a laundry list of character defects, but who doesn't have them? Yeah. Talk about, you know, being tr- uh, Twitter happy. Talk about all the other things you can to criticize this poor guy. What we're talking about is he is a he is being preemptively attacked uh, in a way that is going to spread throughout the nation on every one of us. Hundred percent. And so when when they're talking about things like some people saying, "Hey, this property down in Mar-a-Lago, that is." They're, we're going to tell you what it's worth. Yep. It's worth $18 million. Oh, by the way, it's 17 acres. Yep. It's literally ocean to lagoon. Yep. I forget how many bedrooms. Which is what Mar-a-Lago means, actually. There you go. Yep. Uh, uh, five world-class tennis courts. The property next door, I think... There's several like personal properties in the region that are valued higher than what the judge valued Mar-a-Lago. $52 million. I think it's like a half acre. Yeah. For, for like, <laughs> granted, these are not houses that you or I would be in, but they're they're sort of the equivalent Speak of that in that yourself, area, sir. right? Yeah, well, maybe you, Jason. Yeah. Restaurant <laughs> business is doing really well. Yeah. Not that well. But yeah, they're, they're your typical, like, you know, small city lot where the house occupies most of the ground type of thing. And, and they're nice houses. But yeah, they're valued at higher than the adjacent near 20 acre resort that also apparently is a quite lucrative business drawing in more yearly than what the judge valued the property at to begin with. And legally who has standing for this because he paid back the loans, they made a profit. And if we're talking about misappraisal, don't the appraisers get prosecuted for that? Doesn't the bank hire appraisers? Well, that's that's the interesting bit is nobody's complained, right? The Trump organization didn't do a whistleblower claim. The banks who were supposedly defrauded had no no qualms with the issue, right? Their loans have been resolved. And as far as I can tell, there's no allegation that Trump was using corrupt appraisers, you know, trying to do some sort of a kickback scheme. So this is sort of a... Well, I mean, this is this is the classic person on Twitter who's offended on behalf of someone else who is fine with the situation that took place, except in the legal venue. Jason, I see yeah. you. I see you contemplating. over. Well, that. I, I mean, so in, in, in your opening statement, you, you, you said, oh, you know, poor guy. I, I think there's so much that that is around Trump. That. The, the things that are incredible about him, uh, he, he bucked the system incredibly hard, incredibly hard. From, from a modern day politician, uh, he was one of the first to, in, in, in long time recent history to, to use the tools slightly differently than most, right? You, you want to talk about like a standard agenda. There are standard political rules, right? You get bought by the system, you play in the system, you get put in power, you reward the system, and and Trump kind of showed up and was like, screw all you guys. I'm going to say whatever I want to say. And, and now, when I see all this stuff happening, because it is hard to like wrap your head around it and go, where is this really coming from, mm-hmm. right? It, it really looks like the system itself is trying to draw so many lines to proactively not have to deal with him any longer. One, one second. Uh, you're shifting and tapping the microphone. I'm sorry. And it's going to keep making pop noises <laughs> every will, time you do I that. I will stop.
top. Just for the, I'm looking out for the audience here. Moving. You're making yep. good points. I don't want to be distracted with the, the popping sounds. And my apologies, friends. And I do agree with you. What what you're seeing is essentially the re- the immune response from the entrenched, whatever you want to call it, right? The ruling class, the system, them, you know, in, insert uh underbar here, right? Whatever you're filling the space is. But it does seem like an immune response, right? It's coming from all angles. It's largely disjointed and in some ways crazy, but it just feels like everyone everywhere who's part of the team is throwing everything they've got at him to avoid a repeat of 2016. Isn't this a scary key leading indicator though for everybody who's paying attention? I think it should be objectively terrifying. I mean, there, there's the classic quote from, from you know, Soviet Russia, right? Show me the man and I'll show you the crime. If that doesn't apply, like, and, and I have no doubt. Well, I mean, is Trump that, was is, a, that, is that a quote or is that their motto? Uh, well, <laughs> you, you could make an argument for yeah, both, I suppose. Sorry. Yeah. I just... But yeah, and I mean, Trump was a real estate developer in New York. The, the fact that he has gone through this much and this is what they have on him is staggering to me. Like, I expected a fairly high degree of corruption. And after seven years and countless man hours invested to find anything to nail him with, the fact that all they have is this like fringe, barely, you know, stretching the fabric of like multiple legal arguments to almost cover a pinprick hole. It's insane to me. Like there, there should have easily been a thousand things to lock this guy up for. But my speculation and I will I will don the tinfoil hat for this. My speculation is the stuff that they could really nail him for they're also largely culpable for. So if they start calling him out on that, it's going to be a really tough thing to defend when, hey, it's weird how the only guy who got prosecuted for this was the guy you don't like. And meanwhile, you know, person XYZ has also availed themselves of the same opportunity. Did you see the Bill Maher clip Mm -mm. with uh, Bill Maher, Sam Harris? And it was (laughs) some, I'm not familiar with her, some conservative... um, Oh, I think I saw a bit of this, where, where she was kind of laying out the Trump case and, and Bill was not having it. They were talking about the Steele uh, dossier. <coughs> yeah. And so she said there was nothing there. And both her and Sam, <coughs> by the way, Sam Harris, I watching this guy just deteriorate in the last two years <laughs> has been kind of laughable, right? Because he talks so soft and yeah. he uses $10 words, right? And he just... Yeah, but $10 words are easy to understand. So he's coming across very soft, but he that's his cadence. I'm, I'm the adult in the room. Yeah, uh, nothing gets me... Kind of NPR vibes. Yeah. Really close with a vocal fry. <laughs> that's so true. So she's like, there was nothing there. And they were both like, well, there was some stuff there. And I'm like, that's your defense? Yep. That's your defense? First of all, there was nothing there. They did all of it, and there was nothing there. And then right on the heels of that, they're going to say, yeah, I don't know. There was something there. It's like, okay, well, let's just apply this equally. Let's apply this equally. Let's just look at the Biden family. Let's look at the Biden case. And that's what she said. And they're yep. like, no, 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 let's stick on this. Let's yep. stick on the steel, steel dossier, the Durham report, where there's nothing there. But we still think, even though there's nothing there, they've ruled on it. We're going to say, no, no, but there's stuff there. Like he was just doing it in the open. He was just yeah. dealing. And that's like, yeah, that that's not, that's what you want. You want him right. negotiating with foreign powers in the open. What are, what is the criticism here, people? Yeah. So just out of curiosity, as, as a libertarian. Sure. Where do libertarians sit on, on somebody like Trump? It's super divided. Uh, I mean, broadly speaking. So 
I'm perhaps not the best representative of that, but broadly speaking, most libertarians Wait, can't you, stand aren't him. Aren't you the leader of the Libertarian Party? <laughs> I mean, I'm the local. So I'm the local Libertarian Party <laughs> vice chair. I, oh, I, I'm in the, and I will sum it up. There's an excellent clip from years ago now by I think we the internet called "Stop Making Me Defend Trump," and it's like a five minute video skit of like a dude in an office, and he goes to the water cooler, and some coworkers like, "Did you hear that Trump killed a guy?" And the guy's like, "Well." No, that didn't happen. Like, you know, he he did this. He did bad thing X, but like he didn't kill a guy. And they're all like, "Ooh, Trump supporter. He's like, no, I just I actually read the news. And that's not what happened like that. I feel like I'm that guy for like seven or eight years now. Like there's a lot of things Trump did that I'm very displeased about. There's a lot of opportunities that he flubbed or did a lot of damage with. But at the same time, I spend way too much time digging into the news to, to also be on the, the Trump derangement train of he's worse than Hitler and, you know, anytime you turn around, he's murdering puppies and things like that. Like, it's, it's such a surreal thing. And you really have to give credit to the deep state because the Steele dossier and the Trump-Russia thing, masterclass. Like, the, the effectiveness of that particular operation is staggering. Like, there are people to this day who confronted with hard evidence from people who are Trump's ideological opponents saying that yeah, this was all baloney, will not have it. And that's what that, that's what makes that Bill Maher clip amazing, right? It's so, it's so ironically comical that the amount of illegality, if you look at what they had to do in order to, to tap every single communication and phone of Trump, and they couldn't right. find anything. And they went it's through- staggering. They busted all these laws in order, they broke all these laws in order mm. to find something on this guy, and they couldn't find anything. And it's like, guys, do you realize how just absolutely corrupt you are because you thought maybe this weird haired guy who's no. orange had a problem? <laughs> Not only that, and this is the part that really breaks people's minds, and, and bear with me here, but, they did all of that, right? They tapped his campaign headquarters. They tapped his phones. They bullied all the people around him to get him to flip and all that. They still can't find anything. I'm going to make a, a, it's not a claim, but it's a hypothesis. It'd be mind blowing for a lot of people. It's entirely possible that Trump is the cleanest politician ever. And I can't believe that that's the case. But if you subjected, if you subjected my cat to this level of scrutiny, you would find something to nail him on. Well, I feel like that, I feel like that, he's a that, Trump that supporter. Is a, that is a statement. And it's insane because the dude's a total scumbag. I feel like the vice chair of the Libertarian Party is a total Trump supporter. I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure what box you check on that one. Yeah, it's fantastic. it makes me laugh when you said that. I, I hate being a Trump supporter. I'm like, that's so yeah. funny. That's the thing. It's not that I'm supporting him, but I try to. I try to follow as close as I can the facts of a case. And, and uh, the last statement is deliberately inflammatory. But it's it's just funny to me that the amount of pure hatred people have for Trump. And it's like, look, if you look at how much they've ran this dude through the ringer and this is all they're getting, I you, you wouldn't find a an aide in Congress who could pass probably the same level of scrutiny. So, so then that, that poses the question, should we create a law? Where if you're just a scumbag, we can get rid of you. Be, because because isn't that isn't that the goal? I mean that that's that's why everybody's hunting for stuff with him, right? I Be, don't think so. So 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 that so then why why what's the real reason that everybody, not everybody, what's the real reason that a portion mm -hmm. don't want to deal with him anymore? 
What's the real reason? My opinion, he shouldn't. He sh- he wasn't supposed to be there, right? He they wasn't they, supposed to they be there. announced the day of the election in 2016 that our impeachment effort begins now. That was announced by I believe a member of Congress on the day of his election. Uh, all the way leading up to the election, the Democrats did everything they could. Faithless electors, right? People seem to have conveniently memory hold that. They did everything they could to stop Trump from getting in. And then when he got in, uh, I think Ben Shapiro has the line, right? They, they hate Trump so much that it's just shattered their brains. And it's just been this chaotic, aimless, directionless effort ever since that just every single person who was part of the club is just desperately people forget about this but the first 2 years of Trump's presidency he had he had the president he had the house he had the senate full triple crown republican the whole way and those first 2 years the republican party fought him tooth and nail on everything that they could okay well i think we've i think we we've we've, uh, we've definitely promoted uh, the Trump campaign. And so we're going to move on to something very close. We're going to be right back on Trump. Matt Gates just kicked Kevin McCarthy. Matt Gates and the Courageous Ooh, Eight just booted Kevin McCarthy out of the speaker position. This is mm-hmm. a historic thing that's never happened before. Yeah. So uh, a couple thoughts here. Um, the the first being like, you know, if, if we go back to the whole Trump, like he's not supposed to be there type of situation. Sure. The and you go back to the agenda and the structure behind a, a system. Sure. The the system is, I'm not saying the system is done well, but the system is supposed to function. And, and Matt Gates has uh, very clearly un- understood a, a, uh, a quote that I, I use, um, in, in, in life and if I'm trying to coach staff or younger people and, and uh, it, it's, it, it's the idea of life is difficult if you don't understand the rules. Mm-hmm. Like life's hard, right? Like you're driving down the road, it's 55 miles an hour, you're driving 70, you get pulled over, you, you had a drink, all of a sudden you're dealing with the DUI, all of a sudden you got to hire a lawyer and it's like, Life's hard if you don't understand the rules. Drive mm-hmm. 55, don't have anything on, on you know, in, in your, uh, your, your uh, blood alcohol level. Mm-hmm. Matt Gates is a perfect example of understanding the rules and playing by them and using them to his full advantage because he, he knew darn well that, that the Dems, obviously, naturally, were, were going to support a, a removal. They, they, they didn't love... Um, they didn't love the speaker from the get-go. Um, I mean, obviously, it took, what, 17 runs, yeah. something like that, 16 runs to, to get him in. Um, so he, he, he knew that, that, that the, the system itself was split nearly 50-50. And I think this is one of the closest uh, Dem versus Republican uh, houses that we've had in a long time. Is that yeah, accurate? It's a, near, it's a near 50-50 it's split. Near 50/50. It's, it's pretty so, tight. So yeah. he knew that, that if, if he just had a small group of individuals that were willing to join him that mm-hmm. that he it, it was no longer a democratic and uh, or a democrat and republican battle he, it was his cards and 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 i i think if you look back to when they were going through all those like 16 um you sure. know votes for the speaker there, there were a lot of conversations that were being had between gates and the speaker absolutely I mean, I'm, I'm going to throw out a small conspiracy, but my guess is, is that 
the speaker agreed to something to get that 17th voted on. And then about six months later, shit didn't come through. And Gates said. So that's in no way a conspiracy. That's exactly what happened. And that's what Gates has confirmed. Right. McCarthy made a certain degree of concessions and promises to the what is it? Freedom faction or whatever Gates calls his little group. And we're a year out, and basically McCarthy has has not made good on those, and he's also gone behind the Republicans' back to shuffle some things through with the help of the Democrats. And so Gates essentially, you know, pressed the red button, right? At, at the beginning, he said, we'll, we'll inch you across the finish line in exchange for X, Y, Z, and he's gotten half of X and none of Y and none of Z, so he said, we're done. So is he a hero and is what he ostensibly is asking for, is it reasonable? He's asking for select bills. He's asking single for issue bills, single issue bills. Yep. I, I'm, I'm torn. I'm torn on Gates. I'm torn on Gates. So I'm, I'm going to chime in last here. I'm a big fan of balls and strikes, right? I, I, there's a lot of things that I'm not fans of. So the Trump thing, right? If he Trump, good, good job. Trump, bad, bad Trump. Gates, same thing. I, I think this was a good call on this one thing. I can't tell you everything else Gates has ever done is necessarily good or not that I agree with, but I, I agree with, with this move to ouster McCarthy. He he did use it. At, he did come across strong. Gates, Gates' numbers have to be up just because his platform, this platform, enabled him to say all the stuff everybody was thinking. Mm-hmm. You guys are pushing all this through. You're only... Motivation is to get the money you can from special interests. Absolutely. And you're not doing the right thing for the American people. And he hammered on that. Which, by the way, is why McCarthy was speaker. The the rationale for why McCarthy was speaker, it wasn't because of his shining moral example. It wasn't because of his excellent talent. McCarthy was the top fundraiser for the Republican campaign committees. That, That was why they picked him. This guy is, you could also frame that as this guy is the most sold out Republican, so he deserves to be the leader of the House. That's what I hear when you say that. That's brutal. Um, okay, so go go back to a point you just made um, about about Gates and and is is he the hero? My my question would be if you if you look at the decisions that he just made uh, to get us here, sure. In a vacuum, cool. Sing, single single issue bills, yeah, I'm all for it. Not having a represent or a, a speaker that's completely bought out, completely for it. But my real question is: is do you think that that's where his moral decision for this is coming from? Sure. I I, I go back to Machiavelli. Uh, hey. We got the right outcome. Well, right, yeah. Right, so there, yeah, there's right. the pragmatic approach. So I don't, I don't think there's heroes and villains necessarily, right? That's a convenient lie we tell ourselves in movies and whatnot. I think there are heroic and villainous actions, right? And it's, and it's possible in certain circumstances, even for the villain to do something heroic, perhaps even unintentionally, right? You can, the history is full of accidental inventions and right. discoveries that, and that's happy like, accidents. That's like the, so. the, the railroad um, question, right? On, on on the left, train's going to kill two people. On the right, train's going to kill 100. Who do you save? I mean, literally, if, you know, doesn't matter what side you go, you're a hero and you're it's a villain. The, it's in, in the exact right. same decision. But I, I would say in, in this case, I feel like I feel like this was a good move. So this is historic. 
It's the first time there's been this level of accountability for a speaker. I love seeing accountability in the government, so I like that part of it. Uh, now, who's to say, right? Would would things have been crappy but stable with McCarthy? And now that this inflection point has happened, the next person's going to make things worse, and this will be viewed historically as a bad move? It Maybe so. Who's to say? But at least for today, I'm riding high on the somebody in government who had clearly welched on their agreements has had some minor degree of accountability. I'll take it for today. I agree with that. Who's next? Who, who's going to assume the speaker position? I would like to see well, all. You, you, you know who, who Gates pitched? <laughs> Gates was like, well, I guess Trump's not going to win the, the election, so I guess we'll put him here. Which I'm in favor of that purely for entertainment purposes. Oh, the Jesus. idea of Trump running the House, worth it. Totally worth it. Give I will him. accept whatever collapse of government that oh, follows. <laughs> Give him a TV show instead. Yes. Let's make that the TV show. Yeah. Call it C-SPAN, baby. Ratings are going to be skyrocketing. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to blow out the doors on CNN and all the other mainstream just, media you, networks. And, and the beauty part, too, not only would it be Trump and all of his Trumpness, but you know darn well he has no idea the the rules for order and the operation of the Senate and whatnot. It's going to be pure and absolute chaos. And in an environment that's meant to be focused around decorum of, you know, the, the congresswoman yields her time and things like that. Excuse me. Excuse. <laughs> just echoing throughout the halls of Congress. <laughs> it's oh going to be great. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree 100 percent. It'll be fantastic. I look forward to that. I really hope they do it. I think they're going to put Jim Jordan in, to be honest with you. But. That, that's where be. it seems leaning. Well, that's where they're they're pushing. So we'll see how that goes. But that seems where the the things are leaning now. Did, didn't all the? I mean, and maybe it was just mutual respect. But um, the, who who is the Democratic um, nominee against McCarthy? I have no clue. I thought his last name was like Jeffries or something. I don't recall. Is that right? I, I, I for some reason I felt like there was a lot of mutual respect from both sides. Jim Jeffries is a Australian comic. I mean, that would have been well, good, that, too. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll he, take him. he would be great. I'd rather have him than Trump, for God's sakes. Yeah. At least it'd be funny. Yeah. Okay, FBI is targeting MAGA and Trump voters. Did you know this? It is now being honest about targeting MAGA and Trump voters. Well, well articulated, yeah. <laughs> Hillary Clinton came out on CNN saying she wants to put MAGA and Trump voters, so if you are, they she wants to put you in re-education camps. Uh-uh. Free education campaign. Hillary's a huge supporter of education. This is her new program. Free education. All you have to do is disagree with her politically, and you'll get all the education money can buy. With the cameras off. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Shit's screwed up. Like, that's, that's I, you know, God, I, I think I'm going to buy property in Canada. I'm just I don't know stay away from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, if you think it's bad here, I don't. Like, you, you ever you ever been to Windsor? Windsor's nice. Toronto's uh, beautiful. They got a nice food scene. So that takes us to our final talking point of today: of assault podcasts now have to be registered in Canada for a government review. Well, yeah, that's brutal. Yep. So, Trudeau so, is leading so the charge in this uh, freedom rid of, of freedom. Well, yeah. then, I don't know. Then where would you move to? Australia? There's but. Bunch of alligators and criminals or so I've had several friends who after the 2020 election basically said this is a failed state and have left the country and the the popular spot seems to be various points in South America. Yeah, Medellin's pretty popular right now. And the comment that I've received is it's accidentally libertarian. And, and what that means is basically 
they're much smaller government apparatuses, so they just don't have the resources needed to enforce the iron boot. Like, their, their policies are still largely garbage, but just nobody enforces them because there's two police officers for the whole town, and they're both owned by the cartel. So it's just not going to happen. And that's been the feedback I've received from some people. Uh, now, I, I personally disagree with them. Um, call me whatever, romantic or old-fashioned, but I, I, I believe in a degree of the city-on-the-hill vision of America, and I think that it's worth trying to stick it out through this difficult time and try to try to bring back some of the good elements and carry on some of the progress we've made since then and, and try to make things better in the future. So oh, how so does spoken that... Spoken like a true leader. Yeah. How does that, how does that play out without some sort of uh, very painful friction? Like revolution? Well, some some sort of painful friction. I mean, revolution is a that's a tough that's a tough jagged pill to swallow because you know that's to some extent shooting your neighbor, right? Well, you're 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 thinking very old fashioned. You're thinking the American Revolution, which we're we're well past the days of kinetic warfare. Like we're we're in a revolution now. People don't like to talk about it, but we're we're literally going through reasonably textbook the Cultural Revolution template that Mao laid down in China. We're experiencing that here in the U.S. I would argue that, it, that there's some pretty key elements in that that I think are objectively terrifying, and so there's a lot of things to oppose about it. But we're we're in the middle of a revolution. Make no mistake. There might not be people shooting. Well. There are people shooting each other in the streets, but not necessarily in uniforms for, you know, left team, right team, etc. But it, if your fear is revolution, you're it's happening. Have you seen the police state movie that Dan Bonchino has been? Um, I saw an ad for it. I haven't, I haven't yeah, seen it. it. That's the that's the uniformed people having the freedoms violently taken away. Yeah. So there is instances of it. Um, I think there's some guerrilla tactics and definitely information warfare. Uh, Jason had um, <clears throat> alluded to a uh, kind of a psychological phenomenon in which you have to define your enemy in order to motivate your base. Right. Um, so I think what's happening is a lot of that. I think uh, the enemy gets defined, but it just happens to not be uh, region based. It happens to be whatever ideologically uh, or alliance yeah. or whatever it might be and yeah. it gets so muddled then everybody starts viewing everybody as the enemy and then you get all this tension and frustration right. i think it's intentional well the, the other oh, thing I, is too 100%. is is americans have this weird context from our civil war where there's very clearly two factions and there's sort of a line and the two factions fight the the model from a lot of other places for civil war is regional conflict right warlords and things like that it's it's very rarely team a versus team b squaring off it's usually four or five six different regional factions that sort of merge and diverge and whatnot until something sort of coalesces around one element and that becomes the new leadership yeah there's there's also this poison tea phenomenon that's happening with the I think it's an intentional poison tea phenomenon, like this uh, Hillary Clinton saying, I want to put MAGA voters mm -hmm. into re-education camps, is her basically saying, I want a reaction. I'm putting this out there yeah. into the ether because I want to see these motivated MAGA people respond. That gives us justification to come <coughs> back with more militant force and take more freedoms away. But if they don't, right. then it just, then because uh, there was no response... That's like passive agreement that what we're doing is right. So they move, move exactly. further, closer and closer keep it, to re Keep in mind, her mentor was Saul Alinsky, who wrote Rules for Radicals. And his entire shtick was creating this 
sort of dialectic paradigm, right? The, your enemy's reaction is the action, like that is your goal. So the goal, it's the, it's the I'm not touching you terrorism, right? That's why when you look at all these uh, sort of vaguely left-oriented protests, they're always this low to mid-level violence, right? We're, we're tearing stuff up, we're causing problems, but we're not in open rebellion. And it's, it's the I'm not touching you violence. And then the hope is that someone will say, wow, we can't really have people destroying our town and burning down things. Let's send the police out to stop this. And then some well-placed cameramen capture a policeman tackling, tackling some lady who was just there because she's concerned about the environment or what have you. And then that, you know, allied media runs that and a narrative is crafted. Hmm. So to reiterate Jason's uh, previous statement... <laughs> Sure. Things. What, what do you say? Are turning to shit? Yeah, they're turning to shit. <laughs> they are. I need to find property somewhere else. I, th this. This would be my. Uh, this would be my question here, and and maybe this is too, as you guys put it earlier, like a ten dollar word or whatever. Sure. Um. Maybe this is too low low brow or. Uh, the two sides are at each other. Mm-hmm. But but I, I correlate it to like a kid in, in elementary school, like two kids that are like going at each other in elementary school. Who does the teacher ultimately yell at? It's, it's the second kid. It's not the first kid that throws a punch. It's the it's the kid who responded that that's when the teacher goes, Tony, what are you doing? Right. Now, ultimately, once the dust settles, you have the discussion, you realize that, hey, both of them threw a punch. Mm -hmm. But but the second one's the one that everybody reacts to. It, and, and props to what I would probably consider the right to be the first act, actors or actions in this political world. I think most of the left... Are, are the respondents are, are the secondary ones so like really? that's surprising to me especially when it's considered the reactionary right by the left uh, sure I, I i i get that but but like you said the 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 left is doing this no touching terrorism sure so if it's no touching terrorism uh, you're kind of just bitching about it because I'm not really touching you. I'm not really causing a ruckus. I'm bothering. Mm -hmm. But if it's a no touching terrorism, like, which is what you said, mm -hmm. does it really cause a reaction or does it deserve a reaction? And, well, and, and then what happens is so, so I'm sitting here going, I'm, I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. And then you haul off and punch me. Sure. And then I go, cool. Everybody's in the corner for 10 minutes. And, and you go, well, that was technically the third act. But in reality, the first act is forgotten about. Sure. Which then actually makes me the respondent. I guess that's what I'm trying to understand. So, so if you've got two kids in the back of the car and one's shouting, I'm not touching you, constantly pestering their sibling, and then their sibling yells, you, I mean, is, is there no culpability from the, the, the I'm not touching you kid for initiating that situation? Oh, I'm, I'm not saying that there's not, but, but I'm saying the, the parent doesn't react until the second kid hauls off and punches the first See, I think kid. that's precisely the problem. 
right, is, is we, we, we tolerate this instigatory behavior that's clearly meant to be instigatory until someone reacts and then all of a sudden it's a big deal versus saying, hey, wait a minute, there's, a, there's seemingly a degree of peace back there and one person who's going out of their way to, to disrupt or break down that peace, can we not, and I'm not saying you have to haul off and smack that kid, but can you say, hey, maybe you should stop harassing your, your brother? I'm just asking the question. Sure. Just just posing a discussion. Because it, it feels like the, cl- the classic cry bully trap, right? I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. And finally they snap and they respond in some way. And then it's, you know, go go and wail to the parent or what have you. Oh, so-and-so's hitting me. You know, this is awful, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you you know darn well what you did. And it's plainly apparent to anybody who was watching. But it's only the apathetic disinterested observer who didn't turn around until fists are flying that views it as oh well clearly clearly this person was the instigator because they hit them first so can we say it's the (laughs) i'm not touching you i can't breathe scenario you know what i'm talking about depending upon how much news people have consumed that's potentially very (laughs) inflammatory or possibly accurate i'd say both i'd say it's a well-placed Yes. 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 So this well, is this well is the same movie or the the same movie or same screen two movies problem, right? And George Floyd is a prime example, right? The there's a huge difference between the initial reporting and if you watch the full body cam video, there there is some context that changes things to a degree. Yeah, I, I cook go, food for a living. <laughs> I, I go back to Jason's previous statement uh, without saying it. So don't shock yeah, my leg. It is, it is uh, it, it's 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 tough out there right now, man. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I I, I uh, a couple of weeks ago, we, we had a, a really nice discussion just about like economics and and uh, and, and a partial political discussion. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I think the obvious answer is to come together. That right? I agree like, with like, I mean, that, that that's the obvious answer. And. And then the other obvious answer is to realize that our differences really aren't all that different, you know, which is really mm-hmm. the same as the first. And and that's it in, in in its simplest form, that's what we have to do. And and we have to find a way to coexist. We we have to find a way to not get upset about this no touching terrorism. We have to find a way to not get upset about the MAGA being uh, overly vocal and loud about their opinions. Mm-hmm. And then we have to find a way to not get upset when somebody like Hillary does something smart or stupid in, in reference to the MAGA education. I, I, I think for, for me, it would be, we all just need to be a little less reactionary. I, I, so, like, I think we're all sitting on an edge just going, I'm ready to hit somebody. Give me a reason. And you go, dude, our our life's not that, like, even at its worst, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. I woke up this morning and, and had a coffee made for me by a company that I exchanged paper for. Mm-hmm. Shit so could be worse. So I'm going to circle this back to my, my initial uh, thesis on libertarianism. And I'm going to hard show for the Libertarian Party, right? Why don't we... Why don't we peel back some of the noise and focus on the core elements that we can all pretty much universally agree upon and we establish those as the rules and we accept 
that left or right, however it might be, they're going to deviate in ways that we might not necessarily personally like, but we're willing to accept that deviation in exchange for maintaining that core that we can all rally around. Can, can I throw a different idea out there? Move Embracing to myself, yes. So, so <laughs> get the I, shot caller ready. I appreciate the <laughs> I appreciate the um, appreciate the approach to kind of coalesce and, and mm-hmm. find alignment. Or we take all the people we identify as corrupt, and all these big tech organizations that have been puppeteering all this. <laughs> we take and harvest all their resources. We put those into a kitty based on ownership by a very select few I get to select, and then we distribute it out to the masses. This mm. is the pharmaceutical companies, this is the big tech, all the companies founded by the CIA, I all the we, deep state, we take all their resources, mm-hmm. all their current assets, any assets they might have allocated to their friends and family, we bring those back in and we say, no, you don't get any of those. Now you get to live destitute, we're gonna ship all this out to the American people so that we can balance our debt we can stop funding all this money laundering crap going on. Mm-hmm. And everybody who's a small business owner, everybody who's contributing, gets those funds back. Everybody who's not doesn't get a penny. I'm going to ask a hard question. Uh, did, did you just pitch either a dictatorship or socialism? Well, it's a dictatorship, but I get to be yeah. the dictator. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> which, which is everybody is like... A dictatorship sucks unless I'm in control. But I'd be a good well, one. Well, that's the beauty of authoritarianism, right? I want everyone else to do exactly what I think they should do. Well, that sounds great to you. It usually doesn't work out great for every single other person. I don't hear the argument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think Stalin would be proud, for one. Uh, I also think, so I, I agree to a degree with the criticism, right? We have these people who have bent the system in a way to exploit the populace for their benefit. So I I completely understand that criticism. However, I don't think we need to go so far as show executions in the street and uh, communist-style mass confiscation and and purging of of resources. I think the trouble with a lot of these corrupt enterprises is they're only able to exist on the back of the corruption. And I think you can take a far more egalitarian approach that achieves a similar result. It's going to be a longer time frame. But... If you just peel back the government enforced monopolies, the sweetheart deals, the insider trading, things like that, if you can actually just carve back a few key support elements that maintain this corrupt structure, it will collapse on its own weight. Because if you have a pharma company that's making billions of dollars and living high on the hog, if you undermine their ability to unfairly leverage profit, then it's going to force them to make drastic cutbacks. You don't have to confiscate Pfizer. You just have to force them to operate on a legitimate fair playing field. And the cuts and layoffs will follow. So I, I believe that <clears throat> if we were all starting from the same uh, coffer, mm-hmm. we all had the same uh, initial resources to compete fairly, that would be a valid argument. But you're making the assumption that <clears throat> there isn't already enough dry powder for these companies to react to a change in the system sure. and build out a different strategy. So the only way to level the playing field is mass execution, or I'm going to say mass executions, or I'd settle for Trump as a speaker. <coughs> well, so this is, uh, you must have read the art of the deal, right? So you, you did the big ask, right? I'm going to come in with my big ask of mass executions <laughs> in the street, which is a tough sell, 
or a minor concession of Trump as speaker. Yeah. I think I would have gotten the degree had the university stayed open, but <laughs> still making payments. Though. I did get some water and steaks, though. So. Yeah, I was going to say you got your free box of steaks, yeah. though. Yeah. Yep. So I, I agree. There's a lot of dry powder, and it's basically, in my opinion, what has happened is we have been complacent for so long that it is now David versus Goliath. Right? The the Leviathan is real, and it is in our living room. And we've all sat on the sidelines and said, well, you know, it's it's not that bad. We can kind of let this slide. We can tolerate it. And we're we're soon approaching a point, in my opinion, where it's it's cascade failure. We've tolerated it to the point of near utter ruin being sooner. And I know that seems, you know, extreme, but we're if you look at how things are going with food prices, with housing, etc., it's it's hitting a point where it's really not going to be sustainable for the the lower rungs of the ladder. We already have several low rungs that have been discarded, but it's going to be several low rungs. So like anybody who's not pulling down six figures is going to be having a real hard time if we keep going on this path, even in the next five years. Jason Jason brought up a point. He went and got coffee this morning, right? Mm -hmm. And he gave some money to some people for a nice cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. Things aren't that bad. They aren't. That is the problem we're at. It's because when things are so bad that Jason can't get a cup of coffee, guess what? The world's on fire. Sure. And it's too late. So my argument of you're going down the river, <clears throat> you look down and you see a waterfall, mm-hmm. you can make slight changes. We should have made slight changes <clears throat> yep. 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Or more. Yeah. We're going to wait until five years when the canoe's halfway off the waterfall and be like, oh, no. And then desperately scramble. Yeah. And that's exactly what they want. Because they're moved, they've already moved all their pieces. They moved all their chess so, pieces. So I'll agree to that. It's it's not that the quote they want the struggle. It's that the, it's it's the Titanic is sinking and they're loading as much silverware into the lifeboat as they can before they bid us farewell. I just want to say that uh, small segment is brought to you by Tippy River Adventures. <laughs> if you're looking to uh, go kayaking, canoeing, or even just floating down the river. Please hit up Jody Claypool and Tippy River Adventures. He will not steer you directly over the waterfall and then force you to only react as you're falling. Actually, thank you guys. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> this does is a good segue to some of the business stuff. So first of all, this is not kid friendly. Probably should have said that out of the gate. Yep. Um, I want everybody who's listening to like and share. Uh, we're trying to grow this uh, podcast and the podcast network, and we can only do it with listeners like you. So please... Uh, like and share this and let your friends know that we exist. Um, it will help us continue to make content and engage with you guys. And uh, thank we, you. Thank you for your support. Absolutely. That's right. Thank you for your support. We've got two additional podcasts in this podcast network. Uh, one is Studio Couch. It's all things uh, music, music venue, equipment. Uh, Josh was actually on with his band. I did. I had a wonderful time. It's a good podcast. So uh, Jack Claypool is the host of Studio Couch. Check them out. Uh, on Spotify and uh, Apple Music, I believe, and all the other places you can listen to uh, podcasts. Uh, and Little Red Barn, <clears throat> that's Ryan Martin and Chris uh, Coyote Underwood, and they're talking agriculture. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a big industrial farmer or you've got yourself a garden. They're going to talk weather. They're going to talk equipment. They're going to talk seeds. They're going to talk everything you need to know in order to make uh, your garden or farm a success. So check out Little Red Barn. And we want to shout out Travis McConnell Law Offices. Chris, is he's he is a master at this uh, advertising stuff. But um, I know Jason. 
uh, has gotten some traction with Travis. So yeah. uh, shout out to Travis, Travis McConnell. Travis guy. You ever uh, need something, hit him up. He'll bail you out. Yeah, he is, he is the guy to go to uh, here to help you navigate any of your legal needs. So check out Travis McConnell Law Offices. Uh, Stevan's not here, but I'm going to go ahead and give him a shout out for his two locations for Hoplure. We got the ghost spot here where we are in Warsaw. Um, they've got a, a food vendor called Good AF. I haven't tried them out, but I hear incredible. Good. The photos incredible. look amazing. I haven't made it in, but he posts on Facebook and it's yeah, no, incredible. His, his name is uh, Corey Seidel. <laughs> I can actually speak on him uh, pretty extensively. I've known Corey now for going on like 11 years. Uh, we met when we were uh, both working at the Oakwood uh, long before I ever even opened up 110. And uh, and Corey and his wife Melissa, they've they've opened their own food truck called Good AF. And uh, the theory is is that he just does good food. There, there's no one singular cuisine. Mm-hmm. And he's running the uh, the ghost spot for uh, Stefan at the downtown Hopler location. So come support him. Check him out. Uh, trust me, it, it doesn't matter what you buy. Cor- Corey's got a hell of a palate, and he's extremely skilled. And you get a good brew here. Yeah, uh, you're always going to get a good brew here at the Hoplor. So come check us out. Um, before we take a break, any upcoming events that we should be shouting out? Heck yeah. Um, so our Lighthouse Live product, which is uh, the old Pie-Eyed Petey's up on Lake Tippecanoe. Uh, October 14th, we're going to be doing a, uh, a Souls and Spirits party. Uh, kind of think of it like a, an adult Halloween kind of vibe. So we're going to have a, uh, a New Orleans-style band out of Chicago come and play uh, to give us some good vibes. We'll have uh, a, a spooky tiki bar uh, out on the water side. We'll have bonfires. Uh, good AF will be out there doing the food truck. We have another food truck called Barbecue, or, uh, excuse me, Barbecue on Deck. Uh, we've got the 110 food truck out there as well. So October 14th. Uh, in the evening, basically uh, four o'clock to eleven o'clock, come out, get some drinks, dress up, be an adult who acts like a kid. Fantastic, Josh. Um, we have the upcoming third Friday here in downtown Warsaw, which I believe is is um, not quite third Friday, but it's gonna be something Halloween oriented. Libertarian party will be out there tabling as usual. So come by, see us. We'll have some candy for the kiddos. And if you have any political concerns or discussions, we're always happy to talk with you there. Um, I think that might be the last one of those events for the year. But we'll, we'll try to catch you guys every chance we can at that. Um, and I don't think we have anything else booked yet for this year. Fantastic. Well, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Hey, what's going on? It's Chris. I'm here with Stefan. Bro, we need to talk about this messed up thing you did to me this week. What's that? You know what you did, but let's tell them. <laughs> I'm sitting at the office. Stefan sends me this picture of a turkey bacon BLT. Looks like the best freaking sandwich I've ever seen in my life. So I, I don't remember that you've got two locations. So I run down to the Warsaw location to get the delicious burger, or excuse me, sandwich. Wasn't there, but I still got a good pizza. Hoplor, go spot. Your two yep. locations, Hoplor up in Leesburg. Yep, historic uh, mill location, uh, 110-year-old feed mill, pretty cool little spot, super chill. Super chill, incredible menu, or w- Ghost Spot here in Warsaw. Yeah, Ghost Spot, new idea. 
Uh, we are hosting uh, guest chefs and food trucks uh, for about a three-month stint, uh, bringing you a new menu every three months that way. Unbelievable. I just recently had the pizza. Incredible. Incredible Door die does it up Door right. die. Door die pizza this month. So good. Stefan, if I want to know where which menu is which, so I go to the right spot, where can I find you? Yeah, you can uh, actually find all our menus at hoplore.com. Uh, both the menus for the uh, the original, the mill location, as well as the new ghost spot here in Warsaw. Uh, you can find us physically located at 100 South Old State Road 15. That's the mill uh, in Leesburg. And then 307 West Market Street here in Warsaw, Indiana. Best food, best beer you're going to find. Hoplore Brewing, two locations, Leesburg and Warsaw, the ghost spot, Warsaw. Check them out. Check them out on the web. Absolutely. You can always reach out to us by Facebook as well, uh, Instagram, and uh, all the other socials. Booming. Booming. All right, we're back. And we're going to start off uh, as we come back uh, talking about Joe Biden. He was recently, I think it was at the G20. Who's Joe Biden? Well, come on, man. Uh, is, that, is, that, is, that, is that the grandpa we see on? He's an enigma. It, it kind of depends on which decade you're asking who's Joe Biden. Lately, the, the cover story seems to be he's a kindly old grandpa who means no one any harm. You know, not, not, to, not to like throw this off Kelter, but if, if you go back to like Biden in his 20s, mm-hmm. this dude was a looker. Uh, yeah, during the campaign, I saw a bunch of stuff on social media about I mean, people like uh, that. Well, there was something me me still waiting for Joe Biden from like 1940 to call me back I mean, or whatever it was. We, can we just completely ignore political views and and ability or inability between Biden and Trump? Can we strictly judge these two on how they looked in their mid twenties? Mm. Biden and who? Trump. Like if if all if was Trump ever perceived as good looking? I mean, he was much sharper, I guess, as a young person. Well, but yeah, was, but was mo- that ever mo- the money do that to you? Well, exactly, yeah. right? I, I I am curious though. When, when did the uh, when did the that seems eternal? Everything yeah. I've seen like, from do, him. Do you like, think that was like at thirteen? They were just like, we're going to commit to it today, so nobody knows. I feel like when he was a very young boy, Trump fell down like a sinkhole, and he was in like this hidden ancient chamber, and that <laughs> yeah. that hair has existed since before time, <laughs> he, he, and it he shows rubbed, him to be the owner. <laughs> he rubbed the bottle, and he yeah. was like, "I want eternal hair," <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, "That's your only wish, sir." Yep. <laughs> okay. It seems pretty wispy, if you ask me. Yeah. But I, I feel like it was always that way, though. Like even old interviews I've seen him, of him on Oprah and whatnot from like the '80s or '90s, it, it was like carbon copy haircut, like not a substantial difference. I'm sure there's more comb over happening now. What What if he What What if he spent so much time and energy and money that he's had the entire internet, like artificial, like AI mm. adjusted to the what's this called the toupee this is my new favorite conspiracy theory that yeah. he's just that no, he's I just outright this. bald he doesn't even have hair but right. it's all been artificially it's all, it's all airbrushed the in whole after thing. the fact it's all gra- it's all graphics it's yeah. incredible well i love it i'm I li- sold i like this you heard it here folks i like this so so uh, jolly old joe biden <laughs> is i think it was at the g20 i to be honest with you i don't really care uh, but he was talking to a bunch of uh, leaders of other nations about 
how he wants to end the war in Ukraine. I just never figured him for a Putin lover and a traitor to this country. I'm, I'm shocked, personally. Please, please unravel that. <laughs> well, that's been the that's been the shtick for like a year and a half now, right? Any, anybody who doesn't want violent warfare in Ukraine is a Putin lover who hates freedom. Well, I I I don't. Uh, maybe I don't watch enough TV, but I have not gathered that. Yeah, that's been the messaging. That's really? what I've heard. Yeah. yeah. If we don't want war in Ukraine, we love we Putin. S- yeah. Support yeah. Russia. Yeah. Wow. That 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 has been the directive. Well, it, you you'd think that there would be uh, maybe like a an option C of just be like I'm just really not big on violence. Like I don't want. This is wishful uh, thinking, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree completely. So that's been my stance, right? Is I I would much prefer if Russia never invaded, so that we wouldn't have to you know Make liquidate an entire generation of men on both sides. But right. but nobody seems to listen to me when it comes to foreign policy matters. So if we can just. Just talk straight for a minute. This whole uh, conflict was a choreographed theater in order for Blackstone to buy up a bunch of properties and for the military industrial complex to launder a bunch of money to, if you look at the people who are getting kickbacks from this war effort, it's everybody who's a neocon supporter of the war. So this is a subtle but important distinction, right? And this is what I see a lot of folks like, oh, you darn conspiracy theorists. None of this was planned. And I agree. This was not choreographed. I think there's just a lot of opportunists along the way who saw an opportunity to initiate yet another pointless proxy war that somehow requires massive infusions of money that never seem to go to what they're supposed to go to, but they line a lot of people's pockets along the way. It doesn't have to be, there doesn't have to be six men in a room with cigars discussing the fate of the world for people to still opportunistically exploit these type of situations for their own benefit. And I don't think how many people appreciate how well-functioning the military-industrial complex is in laundering money, and when Trump didn't enter any new conflicts, <coughs> how pissed off they were. They wanted another war to keep that money funneling. And so, yeah, this is a, this is a reaction to that. They're, they're trying to ramp it up, and they're desperate, to be honest with you. I think that, I think that the people who are in power who have been uh, kind of the puppeteers of the corrupt system are getting desperate. And they're really, really worried about Trump coming in and cleaning house and just making it, you know, obvious that they've been corrupt the whole time and stopping the flow of money to all the corrupt people. So that's all right. I, I think they're that's, afraid that's of that. where I'm coming from. Whether you're looking at me like Trump a would do terrorist. that or achieve that is questionable, but there's definitely fear of that. Right. And it's from what I've seen, Trump sort of bumbles into these things, but it's enough, right? The the quid pro quo impeachment was literally Trump stumbling into the Biden corruption in Ukraine and asking too many questions, and it was immediately responded to with an impeachment inquiry. 100%. <laughs> and it's 100%. great because he's like, basically, it was, I saw something on TV last night. What's up with this? And they were like, shut it down. <laughs> shut it down right now. How much How much of this is so funny because he's just the bumbling Twitter addict? He's Mr. Magoo. Yeah, he's just not part of the system. 100%. He, he wasn't part of the backdoor conversations. He's not involved in all the 
careful choreography. And he's just like, what's this? What's that? I'm going to negotiate the Air Force One contract. No, stop. Shut this guy down. I'll I'll never forget. It was like, like, I don't know, a couple weeks into his presidency. He comes out, you know, the classic thing. He walks out the helicopter. We just made a huge weapons deal with Saudi Arabia. And you can see the press like, holy crap. Did he just say that? Like, you're not like you can almost feel like there's a secret service guy behind him. Like, you're not. You're not supposed to say that. Like, we did it, but you're not supposed to just say that. But he was so proud of, like, it's going to make us billions of dollars. It's an excellent weapons deal. He's so proud of himself. And everyone around him is just wide-eyed in terror of what just happened right now. They had this the Secret Service guy dressed up like the Easter Bunny. And they're, no, no, we'll work on him. Same for Biden. (laughs) And and just to confirm, that's the guy you want in power. 100%. Absolutely. If, if we're going to have a corrupt regime, I want it led by the most incompetent person you can imagine. <laughs> that is a quote for the age. That's right. Just a Twitter if, addict. If we're going just... to have a corrupt regime, I want it led by the most incompetent person ever. We ne- we're making a t-shirt. That's going to be a Freedom Cats t-shirt. Oh, that yeah, that that what, that which could, which adversary would you retire. rather have? Cunning, ruthless, intelligent, haphazard, <laughs> belligerent, and incompetent. Yes, wispy hair. I, wispy hair. <laughs> I, I, I am confused as to why I was invited. <laughs> well, are, can we have? Can we agree that the current establishment wants this war to go on? That's been made very clear to the point where, um, who was it? A UK leader was dispatched very early on. There was peace talks like two months after the invasion. And they sent over, was it Boris or somebody from the UK to shut that down? They're like, you got to stop this right away. We need at least a year of sustained fighting. Yeah. And and they've already said we've blown through our... our Artillery reserves. We've blown through a lot of well, the, our arms. The UK is actually now concerned that they don't have munitions left to defend themselves because they've sent so much to Ukraine. Right. And, and that was a, that was a line from the US a few months back, right? We, we need to replenish our stockpiles of X and Y missiles because they're all going to Ukraine. That's right. That's how it works. So I, I, don't, I don't take uh, argument against this topic. But but I but I want to I want to ask the bigger question. Sure. If we operate in such a system mm-hmm. where the system wants us to go to war so that we can do the backhanded corrupt deals and 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 the book that I was talking about three weeks ago is actually called Corrupt Capitalism and and it speaks on this very specifically. Uh, it speaks on the idea that we we go to war not because of the war, but because of the results of the war, B- because because we do want to transfer wealth. Yeah, we, it's we, a we, means to an end, right. right? Rather than an end in and of itself, yeah. Right, and, and but, but we, we create conflict so that we create a system. It, it's, al- it's almost like creating a business, right? Like if, if I go out and file a permit and go buy a building and you know create a business, all of a sudden I'm creating a good, now I'm selling it to a consumer. Mm-hmm. Going to war is creating a, a small economy in some capacity. Like you, sure. you, you are creating an economy. Sure. You're, you're creating defense contracts. You're, you're, you're creating construction contracts afterwards. Like we saw that in, in uh, Iraq Everywhere. afterwards, like we went back and yep. we rebuilt the country. Right. And then, then you have these intangible pieces, which is now, now you actually get to Westernize 
this country as well. And hopefully, or not, you know, from their perspective, hopefully you end up with half the population that now supports us, half the population that doesn't. And then right. at a later date, we'll invade the other 50% and do it all over again. Um, so so my question is, is, is not argument with the topic. Mm. But if we know that that's the problem, mm-hmm. why don't we make it, why don't we change that? Like, and, and, and I, throughout this whole kind of discussion today, I, I wanted to ask this question a couple of times. This is coming from a person who runs multiple businesses mm-hmm. in this current structure. And I've always had concerns. I, I, I've had a mixed relationship with capitalism. Mm-hmm. I understand it. I understand the rules. I can play within it. But by nature, it is screwed up. By nature, it is screwed up. In what way? The, the, the only way capitalism can, can truly work mm-hmm. is, it, it is it is somebody's service sure. that is sold with a gap in between. So capitalism is a, it's a form of uh, economy. Socialism is a form of economy. There's, it's agnostic to good, bad. So ideally, ideally, capitalism is the free exchange of goods in which it's sure. a frictionless, frictionless environment in which I have an apple, you want an apple, you pay me some, some unit of value for the thing that I have. Correct. Or something okay. you want. Yes. Right. Socialism is we pool the units of value together and we distribute the, the net value to those who are in need. Based on their need, so it's just a difference. It's a difference in method of economy. Um, the problem is both of those taken to the extreme are bad because an unregulated capitalistic environment breeds um, things like uh, uh, thalidomide, right, or yeah. union carbide, just poisoning massive amounts of people, right? Because what they're doing is they're trying to achieve the greatest amount of money without any sort of uh, appreciation for the cascading consequences that result from uh, acquiring that amount of wealth. So (laughs) capitalism in and of itself isn't a bad thing. Um, It's just a method or a means in which the economy can operate. So, so paint, paint a picture for me where, where paint a capitalistic society for me. That is not bad. Well, you you bought your coffee this morning, right? So you gave someone money that they presumably wanted more than the coffee in exchange for the coffee that you presumably wanted more than the money. That's it. Like that's at at the base level, that's it. Right, but 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 when you yes, at, at the base level it, it is. But but if you if you look at capitalism on a scale, okay. So it let let's say it started in 1901. For shits and giggles. Okay. Uh, yeah, sorry. 1901 <laughs> for shits and giggles. And then let's say uh, in 1901, that cup of coffee was transacted for $2 a piece. Okay. Right? By nature, the capitalistic piece of this and the individualistic piece of this is that every single one of us is going to want 
more out of the system. Sure. Which means in 1901, that cup of coffee is $2. But innately, as an individual, I want more money. I want more of the capitalistic world that I live in, which means in 1902, that cup of coffee is now worth $3, which means in 1905, that cup of coffee is now worth 7 Well, so I think uh, you're discussing two, inflation and capitalism no, no, are two, two very different things. But, but I'm not discussing inflation. There's two things that you have to keep in mind. And this is the imperfection for a capitalistic. It's actually a Matthew Principle and Pareto problem. Yeah. So um, regardless of what you're talking about, it could be money. It could be anything of scarcity. Uh, eventually, even if you're talking gambling, mm-hmm. right? Eventually, a select few is going to have the lion's share of whatever that unit is over time. Correct. Right. So in capitalism, that's the exact same principle that's going to just logically apply over time. Mm-hmm. So the the idea of breaking up trusts, for example, right? The idea of taking something that's such a monstrosity in its overall ownership of a market and breaking it up is kind of a necessity because um, you have to pair capitalism with competition. And competition is the thing that fuels motivation for the next entrant into the market. Well, so the thing you can do to, to facilitate the next entrant into the market makes the economy function in a capitalistic society. And, so, and the idea is, to your point, right, people want more, right? Today I sold you that cup of coffee for $2 and I made, whatever, 20 cents on that. I would like to make more money out of that. The idea is that you make more money by somehow improving the process or methods that you use to make the coffee so that you reduce your costs or you improve the service to where you market a higher value to your customer and they're they're willing to pay a higher price for your coffee because it's a nicer coffee shop or it's higher quality ingredients or what have you. So you, you the idea is you somehow improve quality or efficiency to gain that. The issue is people take what they perceive as the easier way out and instead use manipulation or exploitation to take more money out of, okay, I'm going to try to undercut how much I pay my employees, or I'm going to use inferior ingredients, but still, you know, let people think that it's good stuff or what have you. So, so rather than trying to truly create value and then, you know, provide that value to myself, instead, I'm going to try to extract or game out that value and collect it for myself. But, and, and that's, and that's a phil. So if you, this is a philosophical thing and this is, this is, I've done a lot of thinking about this. Here's my argument to that effect, right? People want to say blame capitalism because X, if you look at any philosophy or theology, they all ultimately arrive at the same dead end that they can't work their way around, right? Christians have the concept of original sin, right? Nietzsche talked about the Ubermensch in capitalism. You talk about these corrupt, uh, you know, aristocrat, uh, business magnates, etc. Communists had the new Soviet man. Everyone eventually bumps up against, no matter what system you implement, people are not perfect people, and they at times do things that are either not in their own best interest or extremely self-interested to the detriment of others. And if you really want to crack the nut of world peace and harmony, figure out how to make people not be dicks. And <laughs> if you can sort that one out, you, you deserve all the money in the world because we've been trying for 200,000 years and it seems like we still suck at it. Yeah, I think that's right. That's exactly right. So, so to, to, to round out my point, sure. that that is my point. Is, is that it's not that capitalism is broke. It's that people are broke. It's broken. that we are broke and we're trying to run capitalism. 
Right. Like but you see the same in every other it, system. That's that's the trouble, right? We we've tried all these systems and we keep bumping up against the same issue that brings them down. And we keep saying, "Well, let's try the other one." And then that one crashes. "Well, let's try the other one." And that one like we we keep bumping up against the same well, core issue. And let's not be confused. We don't live in a capitalistic society here in the United States. Which is correct. We live in a consumerist society. We keep getting peddled, "You need this next thing." We're constantly we're not about fair competition. Look at Jason, you know this. You're a business owner. This is there's no way this economy is based on fair competition. Okay? It just doesn't exist, right? You navigate within your local ecosystem to the best of your ability and you subvert and capitulate to that ecosystem. And could we change it? Yeah, but that change requires a lot of painful uh, whatever you want to call it, and, a painful and, change. And this disruption. is my argument, right? It took us a long time to get into this mess. It's going to take us time to get out. And I think if we if we take away, right, we, we try to work out those unfair business practices, right? Rather than having government enforce monopolies on behalf of companies that allow them to provide an inferior service at a high price, we try to undermine those things and force people to act more on the level with their consumer, right? Everyone complains about their internet provider. Why does your internet provider suck? Because they've ne negotiated with the county that they're the only provider allowed to operate in your area. So if you don't like it, you don't get internet and it's your problem. Have you guys seen the uh, series by any chance, Super Pumped? I don't believe so. It's about uh, the creation of Uber. Mm-hmm. It's uh, which it's, is specifically a ride share service for exactly that reason, because taxis were a government enforced monopoly. And if you tried to operate a taxi service, the government would shut you down. So Uber found the workaround of we're not a taxi. It's a ride share. Jody's already driving to wherever you happen to be going. Would you like to go for a ride with Jody? And it's just a stupid little semantic workaround to get around a hundred year old law to break up a monopolistic industry. And it was revolutionary. Airbnb is the same way. Hotels have taxes and things they have to follow that, that artificially change the competitive landscape. So Airbnb was not a hotel. This is just my house, but I'm going to be gone for a day or two. Would you like to stay in my house for a day or two for a nominal fee? It's the exact same thing. Okay, so so let's stay on the Airbnb topic. Sure. So so again, going going back to like my my pitch about like nineteen oh one two dollar cup of coffee. Sure. At the beginning, capitalism is beautiful, and even up until the point that the idea of the capitalism or the non capitalist economy we live in, up into the point that it bucks the system, it's incredible. And the moment that it goes past bucking the system, it is the system. Yeah. So Airbnb is a perfect excuse me. Airbnb is a perfect example of this. Where in the beginning it was, I'm going to sleep on somebody's couch for forty bucks. Sure. Today, it's a full blown business where people own houses that are furnished by complete IKEA purchases. They don't even stay in the houses. Yep. They're they're not even lived in. They are a hotel yep. and they're poorly ran with no regulation. Absolutely. So here's the that's capitalism. So capitalism is somebody being creative enough to find the pain point that solves the problem that somebody's willing to pay for. Regardless of whether it meets all the standards that you might have for, you know, a hotel or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um but it's enough that people pay for. It's enough to exchange uh, that fiat. Do you, that you know what the value. conversations are? When was the last time you stayed in an Airbnb? Oh, Six God. Uh, or 
Yeah, probably it's probably been a year and a half, maybe. Okay. I I will bet the 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 property title to my business that within a year, the next time you travel, you will contemplate whether or not you're going to stay in a hotel. Oh, I, that's always been the case. Because because it's gotten to such a point under this capitalistic like supply and demand, the need was there. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's more expensive and a shittier product today than it is to just go to the Hilton. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that's why anytime we do any trip, we, we AB, right? We look at local hotels, we look at local Airbnbs, and we figure out what's what's the better value prop. And, and this is, so this is a critical detail that's very pertinent to capitalism that nobody likes to talk about in these things, but price. Price signals matter, right? Why was Airbnb awesome initially? Because it was cheap. And people are willing to sacrifice a degree of quality in exchange for less money, right? Not everyone, but some people, right? Somebody's happy to pay a quarter for a garbage cup of coffee because it's still technically coffee. And some people want to pay four bucks at Starbucks because they appreciate whatever, the quality of the service, the environment, et cetera, right? Overcooked bitter coffee, but yeah. Well, yeah, I'm not a fan, but, you know, to each their own. But this this is the thing. Check out Courthouse Coffee. Fantastic. Do check out Courthouse Coffee. Yeah, it's very good. Um, but this is the core thing. Price signals matter, right? So we had this thing. It was a very inventive and inexpensive way to get, I need lodging. I don't care. I just need a bed and a shower, ideally a toilet, right? And somebody can give you that for $40. Well, now it has grown beyond that. It's become an industry. There's opportunists. There's been some regulation and laws put around it that also drive up costs. And now it's getting to where it's at parity with the legacy system. Yes. And look, over time, the way capitalism has benefited, uh, the, the capitalistic theology or whatever philosophy has benefited um, economies is uh, ages ago, there was just horses and there was a ton of horse shit on the road. Right. And then it was like, okay, it's now, a crisis. What are we going to do with all the horse poop? Yeah. It was like, what are we going to do with these all... All these people. Oh, I got it. Yeah, because yep. of the swear word. Yeah, no, Jody, thanks. Jody's not allowed to swear. I was a little late on the draw. Yeah, I'm, not, there. Sorry, I, I'm not allowed to swear, but thanks, Josh. Appreciate <laughs> you letting Becca know. I needed that on my leg. Uh, but then you're exactly right. It was like, what are we going to do? As that we was aggr- the climate crisis of the day. What That's, are we going to do with all the horse poop? They they had a inter. Uh, what is it? It's an intercommunity transit system that they came up with. Actually, you know why the width of the car wheelbase is what it is roman chariots there you go right so it's a horse's ass yeah i deserve that i deserve yeah. that That's but it was a good rail, railroads but yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah four foot railroad. eight and a quarter something yeah. like that is standard gauge for the railroad and then it turned into the intercommunal uh, system and then that evolved into the buses and that evolved into the taxi cab and that evolved into now uber so it's an evolution based on demand mm-hmm. that Every time it was an institution versus a revolutionary. Right. And we're at this. Yeah, a disruptor. And now we're at the point where there's an institution, which is the ho- uh, hotel lobby or a hotel, whatever. Industry. Industry. Um, and they're challenging. They don't like the fact that you've got these individual people who are offering up their own places to stay. And there's going to be a disruption there, too, because that yeah. only works out if it pencils out right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. So, and so, so if there's an oversupply of houses and there's an over increase in the interest rates, you're going to have less people who are able to provide those services. 
So only legacy Airbnb people are going to actually be able to pencil out any profitability yep. in this new environment that's coming. Right. So my, my question on on capitalism sure. is, is how, how do we fix where we are today? Because what I what I am hearing from you guys is capitalism is great all the way up until opportunity creates a problem for like the business or the individual well so be, be, being opportunistic the my argument against my argument for um capitalism pure capitalism being a problem is that idea of the inherent corruption of man taking fair competition and uh perverting it with manipulation or perverting it sure. with with some sort of disingenuous uh product or service that they're selling as a comparable product and service. If they can compete fairly, yeah. I think we should let capitalism reign. I'm I'm a huge fan of well-conducted capitalism, and I think we have good. We we established a hundred years ago good controls, right? Antitrust laws, things like that. Those those were great. The trouble is, we started letting letting the corrupt capitalists make the rules, right? So often now, the, the, the regulations that people are desperate to have are so often written by the main players in the industry in such a way to insulate themselves and pull up the ladder behind them. So regulation is important, but it's not, a, it's not just, well, we have regulations, so now it's better. Re regulations are in many ways what's tearing things apart, right? And, and this happens across industries. There's healthcare is as screwed up as it is because of how we've chosen to regulate it or interfere with that economy. Housing is as screwed up as it is because of how we've chosen to interfere because we have people who believe that they are wiser than the, the herd mentality of the economy. And they think, well, if I just put my thumb on the scale in this way, everything will be better. And they don't appreciate the counterbalance that then crops up from that and makes things terrible. Right. Wouldn't it be great if everyone had a home? Yeah, I agree. That sounds awesome. Well, what if we take people who wouldn't otherwise qualify for loans and we make banks give them loans anyway? Well, you know, yeah, they're, they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Now they have a house. That's awesome. But now you have the subprime mortgage crisis that causes a housing collapse. And some of that was because of corrupt financial entrants also, also playing games behind the scenes with money. Let's, but it was a core element of it. Let's think about also... You've got these too big to fail strategies. Exactly. In which you've got people who are, um, they're taking all the money. I mean, we're talking about pharmaceuticals. We're talking about the automotive industry. We're talking about sure. Blackstone. Take your pick. They're getting a ton of money from the government. This is yep. all taxpayer funded money. All the vaccine technologies, all the pharmaceutical technologies to date uh, over the last 30 years, those are taxpayer funded Development efforts? To, to a large degree. Yeah. The, 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 the seed IP the, is normally taxpayer funded, and then they do the, the R&D scale up. Yeah. They scale it, and then mm -hmm. they privatize all the profits. Exactly. And, and that's, the, that's and the problem we have, is we have, we have corporate welfare and privatized losses for the individual citizen. That's right. right. So you got a company like Blackstone's buying up uh, over... They're buying up massive amounts of real estate, right? Yep. Taxpayer funded, okay? They're going to... <laughs> flood the market in real estate. They're going to flood it. Why? Because when you look at alternative investment decisions, these guys don't care. They don't care where they get their money, right? Right now, and, and unless you're talking about very key areas, if you're talking about like Tennessee, you're talking about Florida, or you're talking about, you know, 
some of these places where everybody's flooding to maybe some areas of Texas, the rest of the real estate market is going to tank. They're going to flood those markets in housing supply. That's going to cause disagree. a Well, I, I disagree. I, I think I think we're going the route of Ukraine, right? Blackstone and all these companies are buying up real estate because it's think, a durable you think asset. Russia is going to invade us. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> give, I don't know who's to say, but I wouldn't recommend it. Um, I think to the think, southern border. I think Blackstone. Well, they they are doing that. I think Blackstone has learned the lesson from Ukraine. So in Ukraine, people don't own houses. Right. The oligarchs own all the houses and it's a nation of renters and the, the real estate is so expensive. It's it's out of reach for an individual citizen. It That's has to point. be a corporate conglomerate. I think Blackstone is doing a similar thing. Right. We we're in an era of high inflation. It seems to be tapering down now, but I, that might be transitory. Who's to say real estate is a durable asset. I think Blackstone is moving out of stocks and these other phony baloney things that are valued in terms of dollars, and they're moving into hard assets that they can make into a money-producing asset in perpetuity. I think Blackstone isn't going to flood the market and crash it. I think they're going to become America's landlord, and that's going to be their ticket to massive profits for the rest of forever. Because if you corner the market on where to live, people need places to live, you can set the price. They're doing this all over. They're doing it in Indiana, mm -hmm. uh, just north of uh, Indianapolis. They're yeah. buying up all that area, all I, high I dollars area. I sent them an email a week ago asking them if they'd buy my house. <laughs> <laughs> they're they are buying a, a ton of property um, in Ohio. So you know there's a chip plant going in northeastern Ohio, right? Well, there's only one corridor between Columbus and the East Coast. That's 70. And there's a ton of natural gas pipelines that are going up along 77. They're buying, and northeastern Ohio, for anybody who's interested in real estate development, uh, they're building that out as a tourist destination because it was a meth haven for a long, long time. Well, it was, it was an it, old steel industry mecca that's been yeah. gutted through all that. Yeah, so the whole Youngstown. Cheap, cheap real yeah, estate yeah, yeah. and prime development opportunities there. Yeah, yeah. And so um, the, their last big major industry was actually talcum. Uh, mm -hmm. It was the titanium mm -hmm. dioxide. Yep. And that plant shut down, and then it just started to die. Well, now you've got these big money people coming in, taking all that investment dollar, and they're building these high-end apartments downtown, right? Gen gentrifying the whole thing. They got all these wineries going in. They're making huge plays up there at discount prices, mm -hmm. right? So they're going to buy all that up. You're not going to be able to buy a house. You're going to be renting. You're going to be renting in all those facilities. You're going to be renting all the way up the 77 corridor, all along 70. I expect them to come in and start overbidding on all those properties. Those dollars are going to be taxpayer dollars that go to buy those properties. But guess who's going to be making the profits when they rent those properties out? Well, and that's the beauty part. And this is, again, why we have to watch out for this stuff, because you'll have probably well-meaning governments saying, man, our community's struggling. We want investment. We're going to give you either a large chunk of taxpayer dollars to help subsidize, or we're going to offset your taxes for whatever, 20 years, et cetera. We're, we're going to cut you a break on taxes to bring in this industry. So the industry's getting social welfare, right? Social benefit from the state. And you know darn well, once they build those facilities and all that, all that profit's going into their private hands. None Absolutely. of that's going to find its way back. It'll find its way back secondarily, right? Through economic activity in the community. But the profits, those are going straight home. This was my big argument for a long time. <clears throat> when, we, when we started this whole country, the laissez-faire intent was government, keep your hands out. Because government... <laughs> is the way for somebody to take something from you. It's the mafia. Take yeah. something from you and say, ah, well, you know, if you don't like it, we're going to come in with, 
with guys with guns and take it from you and then just give it to the cronies, give it to their buddies so they can reallocate it. And we're supposed to be thankful because we got what? $20 million or whatever. Oh no. Yeah. We got that money. We, we, that was stolen from us in the first place. We were given that money. I was like, I, I, you know what? It's fine. If I paid zero taxes, you give me $20 million. Great. But you're taking that money. I don't get it back. So it's a mafia. This is a total mafia scheme. So you want to know what is corrupting capitalism? It's the system we keep clinging to. Yep. All these systems we're clinging to are the things that corrupt us because we're told we need, they're the things that keep us quote unquote safe. Can you imagine if we didn't have government to do X, right? If government didn't build the roads, what would we do? If government didn't educate our children, what would we do? Et cetera, right? It's the... The, the old joke, if if they taught kids how to walk in preschool within a generation, people wouldn't think pe- people would assume you had to send your kids to government school to learn how to walk because people can't walk on their own. And so so the idea, the idea was the government was supposed to be the referee, right? You have people, you have business interests, they have good relationships, they have bad relationships. And the idea behind the government was to be the referee and help adjudicate for who was wrong in which situation. The corporations and the government have become one. Uh, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. what I, I mean. That, yeah, I, I, I see where you, I see where you guys are, and and it, and it's such a it's such a downer because I you know I, I sit here and I, I listen to you say, uh, like we we've got to make a change and and sure. and how do we do that and and all I can think is just how big of a Titanic. Yeah, be, be, because we're asking to make a change in the system that we are literally funding and operating in every single day, and 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 we are saying we need to be the ones to make a change. Sure, it it, it is it isn't going to happen. Like I I, I mean I I don't I don't mean to it won't to happen be overnight, that. and it's an uphill battle. I have no doubt. But the more the more we give up and throw our hands in the air, the worse it gets. And we're we're in this mess because generations before us said, "Well, just it is what it is. Just let it let it ride us all on the gold gilded road to you know Hades." That's exactly right. So we're we are suffering from multiple generations, three generations, four generations of At people least. who just accepted. Oh, you know what? I'm fine. You think, that was you a th- think it's that's only a, been four generations? Uh, you know what? I think I think since the CIA was founded, I think 1913. Was, since since they founded the WHO, since they founded these institutions, the CDC, WHO, CIA, I think what has happened since then has been all uh, puppeteering of society, I better would, and better puppeteering. I would argue further back, Federal Reserve Act is is a key element in this thing. And, well, and you you think we had all our shit handled before that? No, absolutely not. But, but, we, think, but we had a better method to deal with it before that. When when you're talking about when you're talking about uh, so let's we, go into Bitcoin. <laughs> let's let's nix the, no. uh, the the reserve. Now what we've got what we've got right now is we've got a choice to make on um, where we think the best way to be the most durable for the upcoming storm is going to be. My argument yeah. is that. We should be focused on community building. I agree completely. This this was my so I I ran for hey, state. We legislation. could probably get a state fund, <laughs> maybe twenty million. I think. 
it'll, 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 it'll help build the community. And, and we'll celebrate all of that money that yeah. was stolen from someone because it was given to us. If, yeah. it, what do you think it would take for our county to cede from the union? Let's not, do- not as much as other counties. So no joke. I ran for state house uh, in 2022. And my, my whole thing, let Hoosiers lead, right? Part of that was you should be the boss. You're the person. I'm supposed to work for you. But also, Indiana is one of the few states that's vaguely financially solvent. And I feel like if we can get our act together, we have the chance to come out of all of this rough times in better shape than many others. If we get our act together. Seed from the union, create our own currency, create our own systems, uh, localized systems of government, get rid of the corrupt systems. I mean, declare ourselves Amish. I mean, some form of Amish, right? And yeah, just all the benefits that come from the tax freedoms. I do think the Amish are, you know, I've I've been looking into this recently and I got to give them a lot of credit, right? They're they're essentially exempted from certain taxes and certain other government controls and whatnot because they had a large enough lobby group that when some of these controls were rolled in, they said, hey— we're, we're not having it, right? And the essentially the powers that be had to carve out and say, okay, we're going to allow you to be exempt from this so that we can apply it to everyone else. Jason, your, your farm to fork mm-hmm. business <laughs> yes, sir. is going to blow up. I hope so, man. I'll tell you, um, weird segue. We actually have a really good support in the Amish community. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. They, look, yeah. it, it, some people harsh on them. I do not. No, I, I go up there all the time. Hit the hit the vegetable stands and meats and stuff. I every chance I get, they're, man. They're wonderful people. I love it. I love the I love the community. I yep. love the idea. I love the the whole approach of uh, the Amish community to localize benefit because the Amish aren't selfish. The the idea of them being a society that's hyper focused on family and community doesn't mean they're selfish. They're great people. Yeah. They're well, the, very, the very community. Good. There is a communal element to it, right? They, they part of why they structure things the way they do is that the church in many ways operates as a form of government and it helps people, right? I want to start my homestead. I can go to the church and with certain conditions, the church will help me with, you know, down payment or whatever, or I can get a loan from the church to help pay for that, et cetera. There's a lot of things I really respect about the Amish. It's a little authoritarian on the religious side for, for my tastes, but I can respect a lot of the things that they do and, and what their reasoning is for doing them. Okay. So we'll be Amish, but I'll be at the head of the cult. So I get to define <laughs> the rules or Trump becomes speaker. I mean, we could do it either or way. Or we could just all be Amish and try to cut down on taxation of individuals and different things like this. Try, yeah. try to give people more freedom to live their life in a way that they see fit, provided that they're not hurting others or stealing from them in some way. Yeah. Or that. That sounds good too. Yeah. Which is core libertarian uh, tenets, by the way. Just, just, just <laughs> up. And, and I do want to circle back. You talked about Gates, right? Gates had a coalition of eight people who ousted a speaker for the first time ever. So folks talk about, well, you know, libertarians, blah, 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 you're not going to do anything. It goes to show a small group of people who are able to skew votes ever so slightly one way or the other can have an outsized impact. If we're going to have a country or we're going to have some sort of state, we have to have borders. This is a segue to my next point. <laughs> well, that's a strong opinion stance. That's uh, you're just jumping right in. <sighs> Come on, man. 
I see you over there nodding your head. No. By the way, I like I, how your glasses match your shirt. So well, when, a, when you say soul, have borders, thing, what do you mean? Because I, I agree completely that if you have a state, it needs to have an area over which it has no, no, jurisdiction. No. We're, we're going straight wall. Well, all the well, way around Indiana. There's like, there's big differences between. I want I want to I want to lock Gary Indiana into our control. I want Gary. Well, here's where I'm going with this. When you say borders, do you mean boundaries where jurisdictions matter, or are you talking about immigration controls? I don't want Ohio because the two too. are very different. Whoa, Ohio's okay. Come I'm on. joking. I, I like I like Ohio. I like Ohio too. Yeah. I'm from Ohio originally. Me too. Go, go O State. Both well, of you were from Ohio. No, I'm originally yeah. originally born in Missis, Mississippi, but yeah, we're a lot doing of, a local podcast, lot, and neither of you guys are even local. A lot of this lot is of my home. Over in Ohio, I grew yeah. up in Ohio, but this is my home. Uh, Twenty years here. I don't know if I call it home yet, but I'm I'm feeling it. I mean, with you guys here, I'm yeah, it's, to getting, feel, it's, it's getting feeling it's getting the home vibe. <laughs> this is, uh, I mean, I don't know. I think we should all start day drinking more. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm heading. I mean, this. like just what they did just, back in the day. Just in general, <laughs> I, I I just think you know we we gotta. I, I'm kind of like a happy go lucky person, mm-hmm. so when when we start getting into all this stuff, like I I just get to a point where I'm like you know. Well, Look, the, the I've, under, got, I've got more good news. The undercurrent is there's a lot of problems, and we're identifying a lot of problems, but it's not like they're unsolvable. They're difficult to solve. It takes work, right? Anything valuable does. But there, there's things that we could do if we simply chose to do them. That's right. Yeah, if we harvested all the money from all the big tech, all the corrupt you know, officials, we could take that money and build a wall. <laughs> God, I, I don't. I, well, can't, I can't even find a hole in this scenario. There, I there, know. There it just a, sounds better and better every time so, I bring so it up. So here's yeah. an interesting numbers game. Just a, a fun little side tidbit. So so Trump had his wall, and you can agree or you can disagree with the wall. But he was seeking $5 billion in funding for said wall. And I don't know if you recall the news climate at the time, but it was you'd have thought that he was asking for heaven and earth to get that $5 billion for the wall. It was a monumental expense we can't possibly afford it. You're a madman. This is insane. Since then, we've sent $130 billion to Ukraine to defend their border. At one point, we sent an additional $6 billion because the Defense Department came back and said, well, we valued those missiles. We sent them a little higher than we probably should have. And so we found a way to eke out an extra $6 billion. And it was like a collective huzzah from everyone. Like, hey, an extra $6 billion. So, oh my, how the, how the stories change when, whatever it was, five years ago or five years previous, $5 billion was an incalculable expense that the Treasury could not suffer. And now it's a rounding error on the oceans of aid we're sending to another country to do efforts to protect their sovereignty and their border. Right. But if we closed our border, then we wouldn't have a drug issue, right? That's right. I disagree. Yeah, we saw the, the drug right. issue. And, 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 I disagree. If, 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 we, if we don't have a drug issue, then we don't have incarceration. That's a huge part of it. if we don't have incarceration, we have too many voters. <laughs> I see where you're <laughs> going. And if we have too many voters, <laughs> now we have voices. <clears throat> and, yeah. It is pesky, and then, isn't and it? And then what it do we... Those I mean, darn proles with their opinions. <laughs> so, I mean... Not to like throw it out there, but I I think I'm good with the 130 billion to to it's a, it's Ukraine. It's a strong guess, argument because that other route seems scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're exactly right. I was just going to talk about 
The well, and it's, it's really hard epidemic. to profit off of uh, a lack of the drug trade. Yeah. The, yeah. And I would argue that the intelligence agencies play a role, as it's very clear they are interwoven heavily in the illicit drug trade. Well, okay. everybody calm down. Eric Adams went down to Mexico City. He's going to figure out what's going on with this immigration problem. Because he's, he's sick of 10,000 immigrants coming to New York City. So he's going to solve it. Yeah. He you seems like a guy who solves problems. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't create them or no. exam or uh, He's got this solved, man. So this so, all voter thing, prison thing. I'll, 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 I'll ask this one. question on, on immigration. Uh, when when was the last time that like immigration actually impacted either of you? Like in, like in in what way? World your oyster. You 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 give me you give me a legitimate singular. I mean, the extreme case is California's artificially inflated their electoral college votes through no, population no. growth. Ah, uh, that's he's giving you one. Okay. Now you could argue how much that affects me, but like that's a thing. So I, I don't I don't take issue with immigration per se. I hate our current system of of mass importing a forced underclass to serve as borderline slave labor to preserve the crumbling structure that we've built. And basically you price out the existing residents at the bottom of the, of the society and instead replace them with a new peasant class that's infinitely exploitable because they don't have rights within the country because they're technically non-resident aliens. That I take huge issue with. But if you don't have it, and no, but th this, also, is, this is not Jason also, Brown promoting this. This is just me pointing sure. out a, a, a picture. <laughs> If you don't allow that to happen, our system crumbles. Then shouldn't it crumble? If, if the system I, I, I'm requires not, I'm not against it. I'm, slavish I'm just, exploitation, no, then what, shouldn't it be revised? What, what ends up happening is you have localized productivity and pricing adjustments. Yeah. So that's what happens. So what should happen is the people who have to pay for produce, the people who have to, who have to pay for those services, have to pay more based on the available... Uh, supply of uh, people to do the work so it should just <coughs> equalize and you have yeah, but it wouldn't equalize because if if that i mean well, that, every, that's, everything that's just, finds an that's equilibrium just inflation it just might be an unsustainable equilibrium yeah so what you have is once the price point reaches a certain inflection you're going to have an mass immigration so people are going to in migrate to that area because they're going to be paid more dollars from other places around the surrounding states which is the problem we have right we're 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 a far more developed economy than a lot of those around us and, that's and so what you it's, want. A, it's a desirable employment opportunity and i'm completely understand that and agree with that and i yeah that all that's perfectly it. tracks if i were in south america i would want a job in america as well presumably the problem that you're you're running into is exactly exactly what josh just said you have an entire class of people who are outside the system that are entirely controllable yeah. That's what he's saying. And, uh, they, and, brought, they brought an entire class of people that are entirely controllable and also not uh, subject to the same constraints and friction of the people who live here. The same worker protection laws, fair employment, etc. And anytime you need votes, you can dangle some sort of a path to citizenship in front of them, right? And you can argue those people don't vote, but... Again, if the you're going to try to get a job, a they're going to they're going to try to find a way to get an ID that would pass, etc. They're they're going to integrate into the system as best they can because why would you not? Why would you deliberately keep yourself in a compromised position? What the, what they want is bodies because they want to change the electoral 
uh, vote number. So the census is about the number of bodies. Yep. That's what he's saying. In California, they changed the number of electoral votes because of and, the number of bodies. And that's why there was the huge fight over, I think it was under Trump, they wanted to add, are you a citizen to the census questionnaire? And everyone lost their minds. And they, their argument was, well, ICE is going to use that to track down and imprison people. But the real intention was to sort out, okay, you live in California or wherever it might be, good for you. Do you count for electoral politics in terms of allocating votes and representation, or are you a non-resident? Are you a right. a guest or an immigrant or what have you, somebody who doesn't count towards the electoral politics? Yeah. Hmm. Pause. I have thoughts. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, I Like this is gonna sound like I'm I'm pro the system and I'm not, because I do think that it is uh, corrupt and screwed up, but yep. I I I don't see a better avenue and 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 I agree that you know uh, allowing immigration laws to be extremely loose you're you're bringing a population of people in here that have to be or can be controlled and 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 it becomes very difficult for them to to integrate and then when they do integrate they create loyalties to what like i i get i get all that sure what what else is there can we, can we take a take a step back so sure this problem started when we were uh, artificially funding the mass exportation of our production base yep. out of the United States. That was part all, of it. All of this started that. So what uh, uh, production base transfer. So when we were funding our uh, democratic, whatever, uh, development of manufacturing in China and outside the U.S., and we were paying for it. Yep. In the hopes that we're going to build those economies and those people are going to have more money, so they're going to be able to buy U.S. goods. That was all just a game. So the mass exportation of our ability to produce things was an intentional means to transfer wealth to a very limited number of people mm -hmm. and to prevent us from having those resources in-house that gave us um, the high-value jobs that we wanted to have that we could justify paying large numbers of people here in this country and defending our country's borders so that we as a country could grow. So a very limited number of people wanted to gain all that profitability and rob it from the rest of the United States, right? So every steel worker, every person who was making some sort of exportable good, they were robbed of the opportunity to generate that re revenue and value that was given to a very limited few. And now we're in a situation where we don't make anything a very limited number of exports. Okay? We're a predominantly service-based economy. Yeah, we're an entertainment and service-based economy, yeah. right? So now we're in a situation where we have to play these weird games. And the weird games are kind of global political games in which we're trying to preserve the value of the petrodollar long enough for, like you said, the select few to get enough Silver on their boat Which as is the never Titanic. Enough. They're just going to grab as much as they right. possibly can until it absolutely craters around them. They have no vested interest in this country. Yeah, They're just looking for a way to puppeteer the remaining population as the population is 
trying to struggle to maintain some sentience. How do we convince the people in the lower decks to wait patiently in their rooms for us to raid the silverware and get off the boat before it sinks? This is this is uh, original George Bush, original Bill Clinton era politics. This was ages ago. Yeah. And everybody just sat there on their thumbs. So we're suffering from our parents' decisions. Yeah. That's what's going on. Yeah. So now we've got to make these weird uh, trade-offs and cost-benefit analysis decisions on how we navigate this new environment. Well, the new environment sucks, and you're not wrong. It's it's there's no good decisions, but there. Oh, yeah. If if at some point somebody can say, okay, we got to make the hard play, we got to reestablish ourselves. <laughs> as some sort of value contributor to the global economic environment. And we, as a community locally, because we're not going to do this as a nation. Yeah. We have to do this communally. We have you, to do you this You have to locally. start in pockets and grow at grassroots yes. because there's far too much. We, we saw, and not that he is the avatar of this, but Trump was a tiny sliver of an outsider influence. And we've seen how rapidly the immune system responded to Ex- even that slight deviation from the program. 100%. So you've got some bumbling Magoo. Who just doesn't exist in that system. Yep. How much of a disruptor was he in this whole system? Now, I've got people who tell me he's playing 5D chess. No. I I don't think he's playing chess. <laughs> I can't. That's not an argument I can make. I think he's playing like Flappy Bird or something. He's just pressing buttons. <laughs> he's he's you know, just pressing buttons. And some of it worked a little bit and some of it didn't but work. You can't you can't say he's a he you can't say he is smart enough to be a manipulative force. He's very straightforward. He's dealing with people who build stuff. He's dealing yeah. with contractors. He's a straight up guy. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bull he's a bully guy. He's a bully. Yeah. Right. He's a he's an ego maniacal bully. So he's coming at you straight. He's going to shoot straight. There's something valuable in a guy who always shoots straight. I I struggle with the shoot straight in regards to Trump because uh, I, I, I do. Th- I mean, he's anybody at that level of success, especially in his situation, is, is to a degree a con man. But I think he's. I think his unique approach, it's the um, like accidentally honest type of thing, right? Like he's he's not cunning enough to be that manipulative. He just I feel like he just kind of goes on his gut and just throws stuff out there. And if it sticks, he runs with it. And if it doesn't stick, then he pretends it didn't happen and move on type of thing. I, I think he's just shooting from the hip with a shotgun and hoping he connects with one or two. So where we are is... We're going to have to deal with the cascading consequences of a massive we number are. of people coming out, uh, over the border. And they're all middle-aged men, military mm-hmm. age. And anytime you look at migration mechanics, um, there's a cultural bent where people who come from a distinct culture don't assimilate. Well, that's so the we're tricky gonna have, bit. We're going to have cultural conflict. And this we're, is what New York is seeing. This is what France has been right. seeing. This is what <laughs> the Netherlands have been seeing. We're going to see that here. We've just signed up for a massive amount of conflict. So that, that's the tricky bit. People like to cite the Ellis Island. Well, it was, you know, come as you, come as you are type of thing and, and kind of open door. And to a degree it was. But the, the mentality or the thought was like, yeah, come as you are. But the expectation was you would integrate to a degree. Now we still saw, you know, Italian and Irish and whatever communities within there type of thing. And there's, there's friction, but we saw a general appetite. They came because they wanted to be part of America, whatever America was in their heads. Uh, do you forget the mafia? 
A whole government mafia <coughs> conflict or coordination or whatever you want yeah, to call it. I, no, I don't forget that at all. And again, there was struggles and conflicts, but they weren't, they weren't, the mafia wasn't trying to preserve their national identity within America. They were a rival government organizing their businesses and things like that. Okay. So Sinaloa cartel, anybody Yeah. ever heard of it? Yeah. Tell me that's not happening even locally. Yeah, Anybody? absolutely. All right. I was just wondering if everybody's wondering how this stuff's getting funneled. No, it's painful. Whether it's apparent. cocaine or fentanyl, it's getting <laughs> and funneled. And this is why people look at me like I've got three heads, but the libertarian argument is to legalize drugs, not as an endorsement of drugs, but as a way to completely cut the knees out from underneath the illicit drug enterprise, the cartels, and all of the stuff that comes with that. Yeah, that's pretty, that's brilliant, actually. Yep. And also... You know, when was the last time you went to buy Advil at CVS and it was laced with fentanyl, right? So you, you can reduce some overdose deaths. You can reduce funding for illicit drug trade and the cartels and all that comes around with that. You get rid of the violence around turf wars because, you know, CVS and Walgreens don't gun each other down in the street when their stores are too close to one another, right? They have to vie for market share and et cetera. Yeah, no, I get it. All right, we're changing. Okay. Jason's done with this topic anyways. <laughs> nah, it's, yeah, just. COVID's back, by the way. And there's some... Just in uh, time. There's uh, Yeah. Hey, by the way, 2024 is right around the corner. COVID's back. But the good news is you can get your flu shot at the same time as COVID. <laughs> Two for one. <laughs> Two for one special. But who was it? Uh, who was Taylor dating some football player? Oh, football guys. Kelsey. Yeah. Oh, they broke up. So Good for them. They didn't break up. They did. They broke what? up. I don't know. I saw they that. They just got together. Oh, yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah. So Heartbroken. I, I don't know which one's going to be endorsing, fi endorsing fi Pfizer. Did I say that right? Oh, both. Endorsing Pfizer. Both of them, I'm sure. Because yeah. he just got done doing a commercial, right? <coughs> oh, he yeah. did. Yeah, Two for, for one, right? Yep. Good for him. You can't afford not to get yeah. it, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like on the heels of that, they're proving that it causes turbo cancer. So, uh, for, Proving is a strong term. But there's <laughs> sorry allegations. Let, let's uh, un, un, unravel uh, turbo cancer. So um, there was a, uh, a mandate in Canada that you had to get the vaccine. You had to get two. You had to get the vaccine. You had to get the booster. Um, and what they're seeing is a mass increase in uh, lymphomas and. Uh, brain cancer and breast cancer and embedded in those cancers is the spike protein from the mRNA. Mm. So I was not aware of that. They, yeah. They're not able to explain why that exists, but secondary mechanisms of action and for any sort of, uh, product like a mRNA, um, is probably something that should have been studied. I would imagine on more than like nine mice. Sure. So, uh, just to c connect uh, this this statement back all the way to the very front end of this sure. uh, lovely little podcast. Oh, and by the way, they're Josh presenting at stage four. They don't present at stage one or two or three. Lovely. Yeah, they, so they, like, uh, it's fully matured. It's literally turbo it's a, cancer. It's, a grown it's ass like adult. You, you get it, you get cancer. Well, exactly. Um, <clears throat> that sucks. Yeah, I mean that that sucks. My my connection was going to be a. You know, we were talking earlier about agendas. Mm -hmm. And perspectives. <laughs> All right, build this out. <laughs> no, we'll just we'll just leave that there. But um, yeah, it's uh, so. So I guess the real question is 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 where where is is Jody on the uh, the vaccine? Oh no no I never I never got it I have uh, never had any intention of getting it. 
Um, I didn't swear. What are you doing? You said you said no, but he's a hardcore oh, anti vaxxer It was. It was uh, <laughs> I said that word. I said the magic word. All yeah. right, John. <laughs> I forgot. I said that word. Thank you for. And Josh, where are you? Uh, I I chose not to. Less for. So I kind of fell into it, right? Um, and by that, I mean, I was working remotely at the time. So when it first came out, it was, you know, everybody like not enough to go around, blah, blah, blah. My wife and I were both fortunate enough to have jobs that we could work remote. So we were able to, to a great degree, control our degree of interaction. So I was like, well, it's, it's fine. You know, I'm reasonably young, reasonably healthy. I'm not in the high risk group and I can do this. Like I was just kind of in the, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get it when I get it type of thing. It wasn't a high priority for me. And I was able to let those who were desperate to get it, you know, so I was all fine with that. And then a little while down the line, then he started to see, and it, again, it's extremely hard to draw any details from this, but re anecdotal reports of negative reactions or consequences or what have you. Um, and so I kind of was in the, for me, it was a 50, 50 shot, right? Like, uh, my risk re was relatively low in terms of my age and health and things like that. And the vaccine might provide some benefit and it might add some risk. So I was kind of waffling. And then there was this really creepy thing where they started slowly at first and then very fastly aggressively forcing it on everyone. And that immediately tripped up my, my spidey sense of my apprehension only increased the more desperate and authoritarian the efforts to force the vaccine became. Sure. So I wasn't, I was never like a diehard anti-vaxxer, whatever. Like I, hell, I went and got a tetanus vaccine a couple months before COVID because I was rebuilding a car and I was worried about rust and stuff like that. So I was never diehard, but I, I came to be skeptical of this particular vaccine. Interesting. And I've since, I, I only finally got COVID for the first time like last year around Christmas and I, you know, I took a couple of days off work and I ate some soup and I, you know, tended yeah. to a fever and all that mm -hmm. and I made it through okay. So I'm yeah. very grateful for that. Good for you. That's awesome. What about you? Uh, so I did a, I did a, a, a very, very specific regiment. Uh, I went and bought a, uh, an inflatable hot tub. Um, I filled it with uh, bleach and chlorine and a lot of water. And then I just bathed in it every day. And you hooked it up to an IV because, you know, Trump said you got it. Right. And and then while I was in there, I would like go underwater and I'd hold my breath for as long as I could until I would cough. And then I would swallow some of the water. Okay. And really and, get that thorough cleansing. Yeah. And to be honest with you, uh, I mean, short of of a little bit of of internal bleeding and um, I'm obviously not able to sleep at all uh, at night and then I, I'm pretty sure I have turbo cancer. I'm doing pretty good. I think you just described turbo cancer. Yeah. I'm, yeah. It, it sounds like you gave yourself turbo I, cancer. I'm, I'm doing, <laughs> I mean, I feel good. I feel fine. I, I, I'm I more cancer fine. than man. Yeah. I, I I'm more emotional than I used I to be. I can't say we would prescribe doing a hot tub full of bleach Yeah. to anybody, but uh, you know, it sounds pretty fair. Yeah. It sounds it, like I mean, a good way to do it. You know, I mean, yeah. every, everybody through this experience and and that's what's great about opinions is that everybody everybody has one. Yep. Yeah. All right. We've got two left. You guys ready for this? Sure. We're gonna fly through this. Hit me. Canada. Yep. Hard pass. Have Not you, moving there anymore. Have you have you heard about Canada? Uh, I, I I I did when you sent out I've this. I've been hearing uh, about Canada. It's terrifying. Prep email. <laughs> 
anybody uh, i mean the, the trucker protest I, was the the bar for me like you can okay they're protesting i get it they were seeking out and shutting down the bank accounts of people who had contributed to a gofundme for one aspect of the protest that was the degree of iron-fisted crackdown that had to happen so we need to be clear um Canada does not have the same amendments and freedoms we have here. They Go, don't have a freedom of speech. Period. It, it yep. is a different animal. They are basically a communist, uh, boring northern neighbor to the United States. Communist uh, to be a tough sell, but they certainly seem eager to go that way. Well, they gave all the freedoms away. <coughs> Uh, so communism is an economic system. The lack of freedom is just a fun bonus you get along the way. They literally have socialistic medicine. They're taking all the money out of the accounts of the people who disagree with them. And Trudeau just told all the podcasters, regardless of where you podcast, that if you're going to podcast in the country. If it's listened to in Canada, not if it's produced in that's Canada. Right. If, if someone in Canada to. can hear it, you are required to register yourself, much like a... I don't know, a sexual uh, predator with the government of Canada for careful evaluation and monitoring. Yeah. And by the way, I don't know if you've heard any of this, but there's been a huge demonetization for certain uh, podcasters in general on social media. Which that's perennial. Like every six months, there's a purge that sweeps through. It's like a Steven Crowder, Russell Brand thing where it's like they're saying the wrong stuff. So we're going to find some reason to kick them off. So that, that happens at least once a year. There's a big purge where they go through and just just do a little bit of purity testing to refine the Overton window to what's more acceptable. Yeah, just to say, hey, you're talking about. Well, I'm I'm glad they they take care of that process for us. So it's generous. We, it's generous. Of them, so really, yeah, it's, a, lot of, yeah. a lot of dollars invested in that. No, it's not I free. mean, I I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> right. I mean, I can't muddle through all that bullshit by myself. <laughs> Could you I, imagine? I have a full time job that I have to contribute to the economy. That's right. Like, God, how much? Podcast? Not for long. Just give it time. None yeah. of us will have that to worry about. Yeah, it's you true. know, Rumble has become my go to um, for any sort of free speech platform. So here's here's a cheat code that they don't like you to know about. But here's the thing. If you watch predominantly creators who are demonetized, you no longer have to skip ads on YouTube. It's like getting YouTube premium for free. And all you have to do is select certain creators. Oh, you know, that's what? a cheat code for you kids out there. Because uh, Crowder keeps telling me every time you see this little thing, because they like within five minutes, he's going to be booted off. It's yep. like he's trying to be booted off every time. Yep. And they have this little icon, which is like a little fuck. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Too late. Too late. No, 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 no. Stop. Oh, he said Stop no. It. Get your fire. fighting for his life. All right. It's a, a little, hey, don't look at our. <laughs> I deserve that. Don't look at our YouTube channel. Right. Um, so I just go to Rumble. Yeah. Now, Rumble is not as user friendly. They're still, they're still building the UX. They're still building the platform. Right. But I give them props. Anybody who's doing parallel, I respect the model. parallel economy, what's the, uh, it's like, a, what's the name of the... Um, public Square? Public Square. Yeah. yeah. Anytime you can participate in Public Square. There's a handful of local businesses on there, by yeah, the way. I think it's great. I think it's great. I think get away from the systems because the yep. systems are corrupt. And well, Rum- Rumble's trying to do what YouTube did initially that made YouTube awesome, which was post it. Right. Unless, you know, used to be you could hop way back in there. You could hop on YouTube. You could find anything. 
right? Yeah. And that's right. what made YouTube great because they're like, oh, yeah, you want to find the video of whatever, hop on YouTube and punch in something vaguely approximating it in search, and it'll eventually get you there. And but now it's all filtered and funneled into the approved narratives and all this type of stuff. And speak about uh, speaking about the weird outcome from such a communist perspective that Justin Trudeau has on his population. <laughs> India stopped allowing Canadians into India. So there you go, people. I actually really <laughs> like. Yeah, but I mean, could you imagine those two accents trying to talk to each other? <laughs> <laughs> no, I could not. I would not. I would not yeah. even know. So what you're saying is it's a uh, it's it's the that's the concerned response. Like it's it's the um, they're oh, looking out for their own people. If you've yeah. been to Windsor, you know there's like half the people are Indian and they all are Gujarati and they all own the businesses. So mm. you, that's a that's a hit to India, but they're going to do it anyways. <laughs> all right, last item sure. on the to do list. You guys ready? Probably not. Bring it on, baby. Buckle up. You're gonna love this one as an Aryan. Uh, war in Israel. The shots fired. <laughs> right out of the gate, buddy. Right out of the gate. So I have a bit of a non sequitur, but something that I've been struggling with for a long time. And I watch the Republican debates, and it is apparently people feel extremely strongly about our obligation to provide funding and resources to Israel. I don't have any problem with Israel. I just can't figure out. I just don't understand the argument behind why we're supposed to be their benefactor. Like when we first kind of carved out that country post-World War II and they needed a jump start, I, I can see a degree of that argument. But like we're decades out and I still recall I was shocked. Nikki Haley was like ready to leap across her lectern and physically strike Vivek Ramaswamy because he said maybe we shouldn't send all this money to Israel. Like this this is a sacred cow who I can't not figure out the rationale for. Well, I don't know if it's Israel. Nikki Haley wants a war. She wants a war anywhere she can she get a war. She does seem hawkish. She yeah. loves war. So <coughs> war makes money. There you go. War is sexy. So I'm obviously not keen about war in Israel. I would really prefer if we didn't have to also finance this one ourselves for reasons I don't fully understand. Uh, and I hope that there's an end to conflict. Well, here's the, here's the two arguments against that. One, uh, Israel um, and the population of Israel tends to be, they tend to be very prolific innovators in global economy. Okay. And they're a stabilizing force in the Mideast. Okay. Because they are like the, we don't take crap, in the Middle East. They, they do have a very hardline policy. Yeah. And so anytime Egypt or Iran or anybody mm -hmm. gets a little rambunctious, they're like, oh, it will just blow you up. And so that kind of keeps everybody. Yeah, I'm not keel. necessarily sure I want to be part of that, though. Like if, if they want to do that, that's their their prerogative. I just don't understand where we get involved across, you know, at least one ocean, however you slice it from them. Well, globally, strategically, I, I can see an argument for that position. See, Geo, this, just geo, uh, just geostrategically. This don't, is the stuff I that I hate, though. The, the whole, well, we have to completely gut our economy and mortgage the future of our generations because somebody on the opposing side of the world who poses a incalculably small risk to our whatever but this is, is, is acting a fool. This isn't this isn't the same argument that you'd have with Ukraine. We're, what we're not what we're not doing is we're not having the same budgeting conversations with a relationship with Israel as what we're having with Ukraine, funding a country that, by the way, is not democratic. 
not an ally, uh, doesn't represent actually a geostrategically... You're talking about Ukraine? Yeah. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Israel, uh, actually, there could be an argument for it, Israel. It is the money laundering capital of Europe, and that is a very precious resource to a certain class of people. <laughs> okay. All right. That's fair. All right. I can't. When you're talking about corrupt U.S., I mean, if, if you want right. to know, if right, you right. know why we're defending Ukraine, that's my argument. No, no, you're right. I, I can't argue against that. I think that's the, if they would just get out on the, the face of it and say, hey, this is what we're doing. Like these 12 people in our, our Congress are making a crap ton of money. So we're just funneling it. Great. We'll just target them and we'll f solve this problem. <coughs> But nobody's saying that on its face. Yeah, that's Although trouble. everybody should just recognize that's exactly what it it's is. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying this so much. Yeah? I am. All the, right. I, I mean, now, Israel's a little bit of a different ballgame. To my knowledge, it's not a money laundering hub for the U.S. It seems, broadly speaking, to be a, a place where we sink money for reasons I don't fully understand. The, the return, aside from amicable relations, which I feel like we could get for free if we were nice to them, they would presumably be nice to us. I just don't understand why a portion of the money stolen from the general populace of our country has to subsidize theirs. Hmm. I don't wish them any ill will. I hope that they're successful enough to stand on their own. I just don't know why we're paying their cell phone bill and electricity so that they can say they have their own apartment. Jason, thoughts? Today has been heavy. <laughs> Maybe in a German accent? Any yeah, thoughts? I, I, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> certainly not going there. Um, I 30 minutes ago, we were under the agreement that part of the reason that we were going to war with Ukraine was uh, from like a, a financial win, right? Like a, a hidden financial win internally, like a tr transferring wealth, yeah. right? Um, I, I think all, all of these like underlying thoughts, you know, wh whether it is like a transfer of wealth and some backdoor BS it, in, in some capacity, don't we have to be a little concerned? Just, we don't live on a giant earth. Our world is not that big. Mm-hmm. And, and, and especially in today's world, right? Like may, maybe in like early 1900s, you could be like, oh my God, like that's halfway across the world. I can get in an airplane in an hour and in 17 hours, I can be in a country that I've never even heard of. Like, sure. So our, our, our environment is not as big as we think it is. I would agree and with that. And so, so when we, when we do try to sit here and be like, well, Ukraine's halfway... Yeah, but not really. It's not that far away from us. I, I mean, I know it's not in our backyard. Sure. But the world is not that big. I, I just, I guess I don't understand how, how if somebody, if somebody storms the beaches of, you know, Micronesia that half of the country can't even find on a map, how is it that our response should be as though they just nuked Chicago? 
Well, well and why are they spending $130 billion there versus supporting the people in Lahaina or building the border? Any sure. number of things. So, and, and if we're that concerned solving, about... Solving veteran homelessness. If we're right. that concerned about, well, this is just, you know, everyone knows Ukraine is the stepping stone to Russia storming Boston or something like that. Like, I feel like there's some intermediate step where we can shore up our own defenses along the way. Yeah, this, but, uh, but, okay. this is literally a money laundering operation. This has nothing to do with the freedom of Ukraine. No. The, the freedom of Ukraine is a secondary concern. We, we literally implemented a revolution to place Zelensky there less than a decade ago. Like the, the health and well-being of the people of Ukraine is somewhere very near the bottom of the list of concerns. They literally said that. They said, hey, this is a deal for us. We're, we're just expending Ukrainian lives. Yeah. They said that. Yes. They, uh, they're fine killing Ukrainians. Yeah. What a great opportunity we have to run the war machine and put someone else's children into the meat grinder instead of our own. This, Everybody wins. Yeah, this that is was an, the argument. This is not a compassion project. No. And even if Ukraine somehow survives this and maintains some degree of sovereignty, their population has been gutted. Which is what they want because Blackstone <coughs> wants to come and get all that real estate as a deal. Uh. I guess so. Well, they won't have a chance because all that real estate's owned by oligarchs anyway, unless they sell oh, out. You 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 underappreciate Blackstone. Yeah. Well, and by the way, the properties surrounding the nuclear plants and the biohazard sites. So okay, so first of all, the majority of the wars that the United States has been in have been satellite country wars. Agreed. Yeah, 100%. The majority now, of the mistakes that we've been in have been satellite country proxy wars. I agree. Okay. Uh, throw out a handful of ones that weren't mistakes. I miss the days when we used to fund our wars with uh, drugs. Can we go back to the Reagan era when you would fund all your wars I with mean, illegal so drugs? We, we definitely still do. <laughs> we definitely. I miss the days when we funded wars with war bonds, where the government couldn't just print unlimited money to fund whatever insane genocidal project they had in mind. Instead, they had to go to the American taxpayer and say, will you give us a loan so we can fight this war on your behalf? Instead, now they say, we're going to go fight this war on your behalf, and we're going to mortgage you and your children's future to pay for it. Yeah, Thank you, and good day. I actually prefer the days when the drug addicts funded the wars. Just the drug addicts. Just the They definitely the still cocaine, do. cocaine, you know, Do, do you highway. think the opium crisis didn't find its way back to... There's a reason why we captured Afghanistan, the opium breadbasket of the world, and shortly thereafter, our country was flooded with cheap, readily available heroin. That is not a coincidental <laughs> string of events. Uh, okay. Good old days. Yeah, no, that's that's a hundred percent spot on. So my my question here then is whether whether you're for you the Ukraine war or not, whether you're in support of it, that's up to you. Do do you think or do you feel that Russia does not pose an actual threat to us or China? I think they do, but I think in the balance, I would rather try to form an unsteady alliance with Russia against China instead of forcing those two into an alliance. I think on balance, we could have negotiated a tenuous peace with Russia and preserved some stability in Europe and given a slightly greater bulwark against China. And instead, we have, we have forced the hand of the BRICS coalition and a Russo-China coalition. If only Trump would have ridden that horse. 
with Putin. No, this is intentional, right? Yeah. Well, that's the BRICS. That's, the BRICS, the BRICS fiat is going to be based on a gold standard, obviously. Well, with on resources, a, not universally gold, but it's going to be based on actual resources, a balance of petroleum and gold and grain and some other stuff like that. Right. So what we've got is something that's actually based on something. Yeah. Versus just popular opinion. Not even popular opinion. It's just pure. We're in modern monetary theory, and so that's why everything's falling. These apart. Titanic. Uh, people who are loading silver onto the boats, you think they're not going to immediately transfer all of their fiat over to the BRICS currency? Yeah. You're nuts. Well, they're, they're, they're looking to control a majority of the global population with this conflict. That's yep. what they're doing. They're going to push Russia over to China. They're doing all this intentionally. Come on. It's I, obvious. I don't think it's orchestrated and intentional, but I do think there's clearly an opportunistic response, right? I'm not going to ascribe clear, well-developed strategy or plans, but there are people who are responding to these circumstances in a general flow that benefits them. It, it is a, it's not a conspiracy. It's a standalone complex of self-interested people. But I tell you what, ask your neighbor. They're going to say, I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. That's going to be the response. I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay, well, talk to me in five years. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's every... We, we keep saying, well, I can tolerate this. It, eventually, it will reach a point where it's intolerable. And then what? Right. If you if you place your hand on the stove, you can hold it there for a long time before it's permanently damaged forever. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't pull it away when the burning sensation kicks in. And what we've done is we said, well, it doesn't burn that much. And we've just let it sit. And until we decide to change our mind, we're going to continue to reap what we've sown. And what our parents have sown, by the way. Correct. Yeah, my mom couldn't sew to save her life. <laughs> <laughs> she's not a listener. I, I, I love you, mom. Is she in Da Nang? No. Any chance? Yeah, she, yeah, Forty she, clicks she, she's, she's the visiting the DMZ. <laughs> um, uh, just for, for all you listeners out there, I, I want to say uh, th this was a, a hell of a podcast. Um, this was a, a wonderful topics, intense. It's way too early in the, in the morning <laughs> slash afternoon for my head to process all these things. So, uh, but I want to say thanks to Jody and, and, uh, Josh, sorry. I wanted to go with Jesse for That's a split okay. second. I have no idea why, like I said, my head's spinning. <laughs> and, uh, so Jody. great guys. Thank you yeah. again. This is Josh. This is Jason. I'm Jody. This is the freedom cats. Tippy river adventures. Listen, you know what I hear all the time? I'm just going to be real. There's nothing to do in this county. Jody and his boys, they heard you say it too, and that's why they brought Tippy River Adventures to our community. Tippy River is one of the top 10 most vital rivers in the nation. Top 10 most vital rivers. When was the last time you went down it? When was the last time you saw the, that, that vitality just in your face? I took my little boy Sullivan on the trip. We still, it was, a, it, was a, uh, it was a core memory for both of us. A canon event, if you will. As you travel the multiverse, every Sully and Chris went on a Tippy River adventure, and you should too. Tippy River Adventures was created to take the work out of experiencing, because like, you know, it was, it's, it's tough work going down that river. You know, at our level, it was tough work. So, but they made it easier for us, right? They cut the brush. They gave us, they gave us paths to take our canoes down. That's the work that they do. You have equipment, but don't want to take two cars? Bring your equipment out. They'll make it easy. Trips as short as two and a half hours, they have taken effort and worry out of coming up and enjoying the great river. 
Have a church group, sports team, or family reunion looking for a fun and uplifting experience that you can have together? Come out and share an adventure together, and they'll do the heavy lifting. If you're looking for something to do for yourself or with friends and family, that's fun and easy. An activity that gets you on the water, doesn't require gas, or buying high-priced boats or mountain bikes. Give us a try. Listen, I mean, think about that. It's tough living out there, man. Everything's more expensive. JC and JC Innovations, as they partner with Tippy River Adventures, they've got your pocketbook as well as your heart and mind in mind. You can check out the fun experience or adventures. Have some fun on the river. Check them out on Facebook. They got a Facebook page, of course. You can book your adventure through the Book Now button on their website. That's Tippy, T-I-P-P-Y, riveradventures.com. Or you can schedule through their Facebook page. They're looking forward to seeing you on the water.